Now, I'm not one for eavesdropping, but did I hear you say as you were coming down the stairs, I'm going to go do that lazy podcast? Yes. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And while we're uh, recording this, uh, uh, my wife and my, uh, I guess, uh, l- landlord, uh, they're both scrubbing the front stairs because uh, we have huh. that place washed, the house washed okay. today. And uh, the stairs are soapy and incredibly dangerous. And we're sitting downstairs drinking soda pop uh, while a manual labor is being done a few feet away from us. Okay. Yeah. I feel uh, com- completely not guilty about it. No, no, it's not your house. It's not my house. That you have no connection. It's not to my this. soap. There's no reason. I didn't come by earlier and put soap we on your steps. We told you. Uh, we warned you about the stairs, so yes. you did not slip. Yes. But uh, I don't want anyone to slip and fall. Mm-hmm. I have uh, great uh, empathy for slippers and fallers now. <laughs> Before you were, you scoffed at them. Before I, I, I would watch a fail army and go, yeah. ha ha. Yes, there you are. It's all God's will. And uh, then it was like, oh, no, no, sir. Oh. Yes, I've learned my lesson. You write, you regularly write to Phil Army now and say, dear sir, I, of your ep- episode 400,000 more 451, yeah. where that person fell slipping on a bar of soap, I must protest. Mm-hmm. Why were you in their shower? Why was the camera running? <laughs> why, was- why were they filming themselves in the shower? Yeah. That's a good question for most of those things. I guess people just film themselves all the time now. Possibly. Well, I know, like, uh, the people that are falling down the stairs, uh, they, uh, you know, usually have, like, the alarm system on their doorbell, mm-hmm. whether it's constantly... Mm-hmm. And that's the one, like, I always see the ones where they're walking down the stairs and just like, it's icy. Grab a railing. Grab a grab a railing. You don't know. There you go. Down <laughs> you go. They had one that was um, on Google uh, uh, View or whatever, Street View. Oh, okay. And there was one in, I think it was New York, and it was a guy falling down the stairs. And they were driving by as he was falling down the stairs. So the first one, you see him sort of losing his balance. Yeah. And then, like, by the end of it, you just see he's, he's at the bottom of the stairs rolling down the stairs. <laughs> so Google Street View doesn't film. It takes, it takes like, snapshots as it goes along? I suppose so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that is what they do. In fact, I know that's what they do. There, yes. Yeah, it used to be a thing that you could go and I'm sure it still is a thing where they people just search through looking for odd Odd images and stuff like that that have somehow been picked up. Yep. You know, like the, I remember there's one of like a person crawling out of a ditch wearing a gas mask. Oh. As the, as the, as the van's driving by and you're thinking, what is that? Like, what's going on? Is yeah, it, yeah. Is a kid playing or is it some weirdo local, <laughs> local lunatic? Google Earth mysteries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the fun things to do is courses because uh, you can look back until 2009 and just see what your place looked like and what yeah. was going on. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, there's some stuff on the front wall. What's that about? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that, that, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when your house looked fresher, now it looks more worn down. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's twelve years later. Blah. Well, thir- no, that is the opposite later. to this place because you know, in two thousand and nine, this was a very different house. Mm-hmm. What they built on it, it was definitely it would it looked like a murder house. There was there was murders. Yeah, yeah, but so many more, the multiple. It was not just one. Uh, yeah, but uh, now it's less. I don't think there's been any murders in this house. I haven't looked at my house on Google Earth since. Uh, probably 10 years ago was probably the last time I looked at it. Okay. I guess it would be updated now. Yeah. I just assume they did multiple times. I assume they did it once and then that was good enough. About every two years, probably. Yeah. They're like, ugh, Alder Hole. Who needs to go there? Good oh. enough. Is that what they call uh, Alder Hole? That's what we call ourselves. Oh. Keeps out the riffraff. 
All right, that's good then. Yeah. It's a web a Facebook page, Alder Hole. That's what we used to say about Mount Pleasant when I lived there. Uh, was like, we mean that ironically. Don't move here. Go Sweet. away. And now it's all <laughs> it's all rich, richy riches yeah. that live there. <laughs> yes. They forced out the... Uh, used to be Mount Pleasant. Now it's Mount Pleasant. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's people looking down on the... I think there's still some areas there that are... Well, most okay. of uh, uh, there's a lot of monocle shops, so that tells you how rich the neighborhood is. <laughs> Spats are us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, when were monocles popular, and when did they go out of fashion? Was it the Nazis that ruined it for everybody? <laughs> was it Colonel Clink? Well, I don't think was it Nazis who were. I mean, I don't think we. Associated... When I think when I think monocles, I think Colonel Clink. I guess I think uh, wrongly so the Monopoly Man. That's not true because it's the <laughs> Mister Peanut that's got it. Yes, it's a it's a weird thing, isn't it? It's almost as weird as the what is called a pince nez, which is the glasses that you would didn't have arms on them that went over the ear, but just were pinched. Yeah, that's what they're called. A the pin, Benjamin Franklin, a pinch nose. I think Benjamin Franklin's didn't his have maybe they were I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's odd. Like I I always associate them with uh, the character actor whose name I can never remember, but you know who I mean with a little but. A very, you know, obviously gay gentleman with a pencil mustache and a lot of like W.C. Fields films and stuff like that. I was oh, okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Delicate flower, you know, kind of a, or a snob, you know, snobby uh, hotel clerk. I'm remembering Ben Franklin wrong. Yep, I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the shots. Oh. It was Mr. Peanut who wore the pince nez. Yeah, though, though, yeah. though it was not. Uh, though uh, in the Simpsons uh, version of uh, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, they, he does have, uh, those glasses that we're talking about right now. Yeah. It's just too hard to draw the wireframe spectacles. Yeah. When people are, okay. So when people are doing a caricature of Benjamin Franklin, yeah. they will give him those glasses. They yeah, do not just, put arms on his glasses. It's too hard. It's too much work. So make, yeah, you know. I guess like if you're, yeah. And then the, the famous shot of him on, you know, the, the hundred dollar bill is, uh, you know, he's got no glasses on that day. Cause you know, ego, <laughs> tough to like figure out what to wear on money like it's your money day well well first thing i'm not going to blame him for not having glasses on in images because there's no photographs of him it's someone painting it so someone just decided Mm. to leave glasses off it's not his fault yeah i'm assuming he modeled for it though like the the guy who was painting franklin didn't go "Eh, what do you look like yeah that's right that's good enough (laughs) though he's not the hardest guy in the world to like do a caricature of well because he has the distinctive uh and I, I think unfortunate male pattern baldness, balding but long haired in the back. Yeah, which makes it look like your hair slid backwards rather than that you're just losing your hair. It makes it look like there was some sort of accident that caused it to drag backwards. Maybe there was a uh, a thing where uh, it was uh, he wrote something in praise of older women, and it was did you he? Know, yeah, it was like all these things about like older women and why they're uh, so much better, you know, mm. uh, yeah, sexy wise. And the, the final one was, and they're so grateful. I was like, ooh, that's where you're a bit of a creep. But okay. <laughs> but th- but then you see, like, pictures of Benjamin Franklin, and there's yeah. no young pictures of Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he's always, like, yeah. looking at least, like, deep 60s. Sure. And just, like, what older women? Well, that's why that... Like, when that, were there women yeah, yeah. older than you, like, that back 100, then? 120-year-old woman was incredibly grateful. Yeah. That he was. It's just like, he's going out with a pile of dust. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more... Uh, uh, illustrative for um maybe it was he was trying to like reverse psychology people and then we were kind of like i don't know maybe older men are better too i don't know oh no i thought you were i thought you were going to go with the idea of just 
uh, like uh, so all these younger women will go oh, I'll show you you know <laughs> let's go out and that's right it's let's, the let's have some sexy loving and I'll nagging. show you what's what the mister and it's like the... yeah you really uh, yeah. you really showed me yeah <laughs> I don't know because you know maybe he's, maybe he's a creep who knows who knows I don't know what Ben, ben Franklin's deal was like playing with electricity and uh, and uh, running the Saturday Evening Post. That's what I know. That's all I know about him. And he appeared in The Simpsons how many times? Uh, four times. Four times. Although it does sound it does sound kind of mean spirited to say they'd be grateful. I think it's more. It was would have been a tough road to hoe for uh, a single woman in those days. So you know, mm-hmm. I guess if you were willing to. I mean, I feel I feel like that makes him look like he's creeping out creeping funerals. And just finding, <laughs> find, finding big, widows. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, like war widows and yeah. stuff. And just like, oh, but he I, was a brave, brave man. By the way, my name's Ben Franklin. Do you want to see how electricity <laughs> works? What? I mean, between us. And like, That's oh, right. no, not you. Do you want to see my Saturday evening post? Stop it. We don't need this, Ben. None of this is good. <laughs> you know, it's all about the Benjamin. What's see. that mean, Ben? That doesn't make sense now. <laughs> you creep. I always saw one. Yes. I was wanting people to look at his Saturday evening post. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. They grateful. That's why you started the magazine. You didn't start the magazine to not use it as a creep. <laughs> hey, have you got the time? Well, I do. Here we go. Oh, it's the founder of Time Magazine. Yes. Hey, get a life. There's a, there's the founder of Life Magazine. Johnny Life. Henry Luce. There you are. And they went on to make the cereal as well. He did. That's right. He was, he was actually Mr. Quaker Oats as well. Oh, really? Nice. Well, it looks like Benjamin Franklin was, too. Benjamin Franklin looks Popular a look. lot like the Quaker Oats guy. Except the Quaker Oats guy has a pince-nez. Okay. Benjamin Franklin does. He does not. No. <laughs> and then you throw a mustache on him. What do you get? Chef Boyardee. I it's all I, one dude. I don't have your adding glasses to people illness. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. No, you don't. That's fine. Yeah, Chef Boyardee does look like the Quaker Oats guy, though, as well. There's a lot of people that look like that. It's in, just uh, the world of uh, yeah, because food, food products. Well, because that's more appealing. Do you want a gaunt-faced guy who looks like he <laughs> doesn't enjoy eating anything? Oh, like a slim, a slim guy yeah, who's yeah. not eating the food. Yeah, like you know, this hollow-cheeked guy with you know, ah, oh, kind of five o'clock shadow. Yeah, a real Jack Spratt. You would not be the. Uh, <laughs> that's not who you want to have advertising your your products. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, you want a you want a full faced fellow with the rosy cheeks and. Yeah, I like it. I want to see like uh, how long Benjamin Franklin lived till. I would say pretty old, because you know why? Early to bed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that his? That was his thing. Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mm. Where the wealth comes into that, I don't know. Let's see. He lived. Oh, well, this is hard. They don't say. Okay, say he was born in seven. Well, that's not right. That's the that's the picture. <laughs> he was born in 1776. Yeah, 1778. I'm just like, what? <laughs> okay. He was born in 1706. Okay. 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 And then he. So he was at least 70. Right. And he died in uh, in uh, 1787. So that's uh, eight, 81. 81 years. That's pretty good. But that's really good back then. In oldie times? Well, no, I mean, people lived a long time then. It's just, it's just the average was was bad. But yeah. I don't think their lifespan is was over. It was significantly older than our. Like we haven't really improved like that much more. It's just that we've so improved on child, you know, death at childbirth and children and stuff like that. Oh no, he died in seventeen ninety. Even oh, that, even wow. more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There true. you are. Yeah. So you'd think that. Okay. So if he, he was died doing, three years after the signing of the Constitution. It's, but during that time, he was also the ambassador to to 
to France after the American Revolution. So he's in his he's in his seventies and he's tootling off to France. That's pretty good. Yeah, they got a yeah they got a thing there where it's uh, saying like you but, know, he had uh, multiple health problems, obesity, gout, all this kind of stuff, sure. which worsens as he aged. Yeah, but like I mean, that's still like you know you know mid eighties in you know the seven late seventeen hundreds. Pretty pretty good. Like what's what. What would he have lived to in good health if that's uh, <laughs> if that's the case? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, uh, yeah, he, he. Okay, here we go. Uh, the quoting of the account from uh, John Jones of the death of Benjamin Franklin. John Jones. John Jones, the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> okay. Travel back in time. That's right. When right. The, I'm sure Martian Manhunter could travel back in time. If Superman can, Martian Manhunter can. Why? Because he got the same powers, basically. Oh, really? Yeah, except for uh, Martian Manhunter also can go through walls, has telepathy, uh, and can shapeshift. That's that's too much. Yes, yeah, so it's not a fun character. I wouldn't nope. wanna, wouldn't want to be asked to write that character on a regular basis. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, when the okay, well, this is a per, this sort of thing of a person dying, but this is you know I'm gonna, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go through it. When the pain and difficulty of breathing entirely left him, and his family were uh, flattering themselves. With the hopes of his recovery, mm-hmm. uh, when an imposthume, uh, which had formed itself in his lungs, suddenly burst and discharged a quantity of matter, which he continued to throw up while he had power. But as that failed, the organs of respiration became gradually oppressed. Yeah. A calm, lethargic state su- succeeded. Yeah. Uh, and on the 17th instant, April uh, 1790, about okay. 11 o'clock, he quietly expired. Uh, closing a long and useful life of 84 years and three months. There you go. Yeah, that's not the guy you want at the hospital. That guy is uh, too verbose. The, the John Jones? Yeah, John Jones. The Martian Manhunter? Just, yeah. It's just like just like he's coughing up some stuff. That's yeah. enough. That's all we need to know. We don't need... Or in this case, the Martian biographer. Yeah. John Jones. Martian Manhunter is uh, not a great character. You're right. We've now gone from Benjamin Franklin to Martian Manhunter. <laughs> well, that in, really sums up what this podcast is about. In both instances, I speak from complete ignorance. Well, I feel like I know a little bit about. I'm just thinking. Okay, before we move on to Martian Manhunter, which 2,000 pe- twenty thousand people at his funeral. That's a lot of snacks yeah, yeah. you got well, to have at the wake guy. afterwards. Yeah, it's not everyone who ties the key to a kite. <laughs> what about the key was to? <laughs> yes, it was to his wine cellar. He forever regretted that. Hmm. He had the best wine cellar in in the area, and and he couldn't couldn't access any of it. It's like, oh, I should have melted that key. And his uh, grave, uh, uh, written on his gravestone, it reads Benjamin Franklin. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. Uh, it's got his wife's name there too. Heck of a dude, Deborah Deborah Franklin. It says uh, then underneath, "You're next." Oh, jeez, that's creepy. <laughs> And the weird well, thing he, is, he's the, right. The grave is constantly being struck by lightning because mm. the lightning wanted its chance to kill him it's and just still, like, can't give up. Still, still angry about the yeah. whole key incident, key party. Well, uh, maybe that was it. Mm. Maybe that's what key parties used to be. I'm just thinking now <laughs> that they did a miniseries on television called Benjamin Franklin in Paris. Okay, and I believe that it starred Ken Howard, the White Shadow, All right. from the TV show The White Shadow. But it, he listened, talking about Benjamin Franklin now, it seems that they they severely uh, de-aged him for that. Uh, that like he sh- There's no way that Ken Howard was like in his 70s when he was playing that role. Nope. But he was, if he was ambassador to Paris, I'm assuming that this is, bef- you know, he wouldn't have been ambassador to Paris during the British occupation or during the 
I shouldn't say British occupation. That's pretty ridiculous. They were also British, um, but during the during the time un, under the the uh, British control, um, he wouldn't have been ambassador at that time. So it would have been after they after the revolution. You know, so let's say in 1777 or 1778, he's over in he's over in Paris. Uh, you know, making treaties and doing purchasing Louisiana and things like that. Yeah, and they never show him with gout or like in bad health or wheezing. Uh, who wants to see that? Mm-hmm. Just shows like a like little bit of gout, what he's got. gout enthusiasts out there who are always like, oh, I can't believe they another chance to show gout and they didn't show it. No, well, they just like they just make him a sprightly, uh, yeah. jolly fellow. He's basically Santa Claus, like just yeah. bounding, bounding around. It's like hmm, maybe not. Yeah, you know, again. Late uh, late seventeen hundreds, and you're real old and not in good health. There's that French expression "chacun son goat," which is just each to his own goat. <laughs> that was French. <laughs> yes, I ended up with gout because I uh, took too much uh, sardine oil. That is probably pretty rare as a cause of gout. Yeah, you probably are in a very small pool of people. Small sardine pool. <laughs> Small sardine. You, it's you, it could, you. All of you could fit together in one can. Um, but fish oil is a is like a way to get it like nice and yeah, fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's well, it's very fatty. Yeah, because that's, that's why you're taking it, like the omega. Yeah. That's right. It was taken for good health. Yes, and you, of course you overdid it, maybe a little bit. Yep, probably. <laughs> I mean, there's a problem with vitamins and things like that. Is it's hard for us to know because you know. How you normally get it is through like good nutrition. That's mm-hmm. how you normally get vitamins. Sure. And if you're taking vitamins, you're just making your body do more work because it has to get rid of these vitamins because it can only use so much. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're just peeing them out of yourself. Yeah. And so your body's so all your your liver and your all your other filter like kidneys and stuff like that are having to filter all this junk all the time. So you're not really helping your body out too much. I don't mm-hmm. think. I'm not a big fan of of vitamins. I can see their use if you are have sick a, a yeah, or, or, if or if you're missing something like I. I need a little more potassium mm-hmm. than uh, than you know is yeah. is easily available through uh, you know eating like uh, two bananas a day sure. or whatever you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Have you so, tried eating dirt? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know what potassium. Yeah, that's uh, what is potassium besides b- bananas? Oh what god, else? there was something really bad you get from eating dirt that uh, we were talking about the other day. I can't remember what it was, but mm. it came up. There was just like, oh, where do you get this disease? Oh yeah, it was um, uh, uh, like a foot and mouth disease. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that makes sense. I mean, I guess there should be some way it gets commun- it's communicable to other animals. Yeah, it was someone. Yeah, that was it. It was someone I know who works with someone, and they had like two things, and uh, and one of the things, you know, they were off sick, and it was like they had like you know uh, foot and mouth disease, and it was like, well, this is something that like children get more than uh, more than adults. It's a very rare thing for adults to get, mm. and it's like, uh, and and one of the reasons why was you know because they eat dirt. Kids eat dirt, and yeah, you yeah. can get it from eating dirt. Pretty tasty stuff. I've I've had dirt. I've you know, had dirt. listen, all, all of the peanuts characters ate mud pies. <laughs> I don't know if they ate them. <laughs> it's like I carried away here. They were very poor. They never really stressed that. But <laughs> I look at look at them. Those were not rich children. No, no. Well, the richest one was a kid who had like a barber shop dad, Charlie Brown. Yeah, he was the richest one. I would say so. Hmm. Who do you think? He's the only one who could have a dog. The well, other ones couldn't even have a, a damn pet. It's not that they except couldn't. for Frida. Maybe they didn't want to have a dog. Uh, you think all those kids didn't want a dog? First of all, well, kids have no choice. But we run. Get a dog we run wanted a dog for sure, and yeah, yeah but you don't. It's not your choice. 
Mm-hmm. It's your parents' choice. Isn't it weird that none of those kids' parents like decided on a pet like back then? Like mm-hmm. none of them. Yeah. Except for Charlie Brown. Good old Charlie Brown. And why yeah. is Charlie Brown in charge of the uh, uh, the sports team? Because sure. he's paying for the uniforms. There was that's other, what his that's what pets. his parents Frida, were doing. Frida had a pet cat. Yeah. For a brief period of time. No. And or yeah. Just no. I'm. Three appearances tops. Is that right? I would think so. No. Well, Schultz always went on about like how much he hated drawing he that cat. He did not enjoy, enjoy drawing cat. So how, how many appearances do you think the cat made? Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay, let's step back from this sort of like reading the world as if it existed. And let's just face, like, you can't have like a bunch of Snoopies in one comic strip. Like, oh, only be one there was Snoopy. like three more Snoopies by the I end know. of the comic and strip. And that was, that's, there's my example of why you can't. <laughs> they were have, all loners. They yeah, all had yeah. like independent lives. Uncle Spike and all that Bell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Olaf. Yeah. No good. Yeah. Spike, Bell, and Olaf. Yeah. You don't, uh, you don't need that. Like, that is weird. The idea that there was the Daisy Hill puppy farm. <laughs> yeah. First of all, there was a puppy farm, which, you know. That doesn't that doesn't go well anymore. Uh, but like, uh, so well, it's a puppy farm, not a puppy mill. Let's be fair. Is there a difference? Yes. All right. So uh, when Snoop- when grinds them, ooh, yeah. So Snoopy gets adopted, yeah. and they send like one out into the desert to live. Yeah. Like what's that? Needles. About? Needles. Yeah, needles. That's yeah, it. and he's like living this kind of hobo life. <laughs> like what's that about? Wait, was and he's clearly a dog. Yeah, wasn't he adopted though? What Spike? Yeah, like it was he just sent. What do you mean he was just sent out? Well, what happened? How did he get in the desert? I don't know. But he was yeah, been damn right, you don't. He know. got adopted by an old prospector who then passed away. Oh, you think so? Spike had he to, took his hat yeah, and then yeah. just went out in the desert. Yeah, had to make it make it on his own. And you think like, well, he's got no options, but bullshit. He goes and visits Snoopy, so he knows where the city is. Yeah, like he's got no problem like going to town. But there's something about him that's just like. I don't deserve the town. I deserve the desert. It's weird, right? <laughs> Spike is a dark, dark Peanuts character. I'm not sure what Bell's deal is. I really, I don't know if I read it as much of that in, when those characters were uh, yeah. doing their thing. I, I'm an earlier, I'm an earlier uh, Peanuts aficionado. Yeah. I mean, listen, there was never a time where the strip wasn't weird. <laughs> and it never stopped being weird. Yeah. And that was an aspect that was very, very weird. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Looking up a little stuff about uh, about uh, oh my theory is that Schultz thought it was funny. Yeah, Spike's uh, is Snoopy's older brother who lived in the desert. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he lives in the middle of a desert near Needles, California, uh, mostly interacting with the cacti and rocks. Yeah. Um, Oh, and temporarily became the dog of what other character? Uh, Pigpen rerun. Oh, rerun. Though Pigpen would be interesting. Pigpen would be interesting. Well, it seems like they're more compatible as characters. Right. To me, anyway. What the hell? Okay, so Belle's deal. Yeah. Okay, so Belle is Snoopy's sister. Okay. She lives in Kansas City, Missouri, with her teenage son. (laughs) Really? Okay, let's unlock the hell out of that. Sure. Let's unlock the... Let's unlock that. Her son is a teenager. Now, that is conceivable. Wait, so he's two years old. What? He's two years old. He's oh, a teenager in dog, dog years. Yeah, teenager in dog I just years. thought, like, the son was, like, say, 13. Yeah. And mom was 14? You know, it's possible <laughs> because you can have a kid yeah. as a dog at that age. But, like, she's Snoopy's sister. Yeah. Okay. So how old Snoopy then? Because Snoopy was a puppy yeah. when Charlie Brown adopted him. So that, oh, there's problems. There's big problems there. Uh, now, here's, okay. Maybe here's, she's a half-sister. Here's the weird bit. Okay. 
Uh, first of all, uh, Belle is Snoopy with a lace collar or a pearl necklace. Of course. Okay. Uh, but Snoopy said that uh, that uh, her son, his nephew, mm-hmm. uh, resembled a certain uh, cartoon character. Uh, what cartoon character was that? Was it? It is a silent cartoon character. Oh. I'll give you that much. So I'm normally gonna, silent. I'm going to say Heathcliff. It was the Pink Panther. He resembled the Pink Panther? The son? Yeah. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> it's enjoyable. These yeah. kids these days. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is really really strange. Yeah, his uh, he's got four brothers: okay. Spike, Andy, Marbles, and Olaf, and his sister Belle. Yeah. If Schultz had lived longer, there would be more brothers and sisters. Pump up the volume. <laughs> Just keep on going. Yeah, uh, but Charles Schultz thought that Marbles was a great name for a dog. That's pretty good. I think yeah. he's right. Olaf doesn't have a lot of uh, description here. Oh, man, this is so weird. He became a snowman. What is the uh, special NASA honor named after Snoopy? The special NASA honor? It's given uh, by an astronaut to someone who works in the space program that's gone above and beyond in pursuit of quality and safety. It is named after Snoopy. Okay. The full award is called... The... The Golden Snoopy? Oh, you were so freaking close. <laughs> So close. <laughs> Silver Snoopy. Oh. oh, I was thinking of the better better award. Not that not that cheap silver one. I was thinking of the, the golden Snoopy, which is given to the okay. astronaut with the best suntan. Speaking of NASA. Yes. The fabric cap wore by NASA astronauts mm-hmm. as part of the extra vehicle, extra vehicular mobility unit yes. is known as... Okay, now it's a reference to the white crown and black ear flaps of the cap. Okay. Uh, and it is called the what? I guess it's called the Snoopy? Is the Snoopy what? <laughs> the Snoopy cap? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It looks like Snoopy's uh, ears. Oh, that's great. And so it's called the Snoopy, Snoopy cap. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, this is... This I, one, that's kind of neat because it's something that I, I find fascinating about comic strips is how, um, like how important they once were, like how much a, a part of life they were for people. You know, when you think about the Jeep, the popular Jeep vehicle, which is yeah. named after the Popeye animal. Eugene to the Jeep. Yeah. And um, if you think of, well, explain like, like the like the term natural, you know, when we say naturally, to mean, of course, that comes from Little Abner. It didn't exist as a term before Little Abner. Like people didn't mm-hmm. say, oh, naturally that would happen. And also Druthers comes from Little Abner as well, if I had my Druthers. Oh, that's neat. And then, of course, Sadie Hawkins. Is that Day. the name, by the way, of the? Uh, oh, that's Mr. Dithers, is uh, Blondie. Mm, Sorry, mm, yeah. Thinking, okay. And then Sadie Hawkins Day as well, which yes. which for a long time. I mean, when we went to high school, we had a Sadie Hawkins Day dance sure. where the girls got to invite the fellas. And and at that time, I when I when I went through it in grade twelve or grade eleven, I guess grade eleven and twelve, I thought. Oh, what an interesting old tradition we're part of. This must date back to some person and da da da. And then it wasn't until I was reading I was reading Little Abner, the series of, of comic strips, and then I learned, oh, he created it. And then it was so people loved the comic Incredibly strips so much. Popular, yeah. yeah, that universities like kids in college started to adopt it as a as a thing. As a you know, so girls would ask the guys to dance the dance. And I was just like, Oh, that's crazy. Is this crazy that you know, they're talking about this as well, like the idea of like Snoopy you know, being so pop, such a popular character that you know he's being used as in NASA, yeah, multiple things. And then the famous research, like the um, engineering, I don't know how to describe it. It was like um, the 
army or whatever, they had like a, you know, a bunch of scientists who worked on special projects, you know, developing weaponry and developing or developing missiles and, 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 and jets and stuff like that. So I guess it was the Air Force, but it was called the Skonk Works, named after the, the, fa- the fabled factory in Little Abner where a couple of the characters worked. They worked at this, the Skunk Works. Oh. But it was spelled, it was spelled with an O for whatever, it, to imitate their, their accent. Wasn't there uh, some, uh, some, some strife there about Fearless Fosdick? Because it was getting to be like too popular and the Dick Tra- like Chester Gould had issues yes, he did. with that. Yeah, he thought, yeah. because it was like a parody of, it started off as a parody, yeah. which he was fine with. But then because it became so popular, it started to stretch out into actual episodes. And so, because in... If Super Duper Man and Mad Magazine became its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or more than, but because in, in Little Abner, Fearless Fosdick is its own world. Like, it's a character that Little Abner loves to read. Right. So he's the, his, uh, he's I, a, ideal. He's a yeah. He's a fictional character in that world, but because it became so popular, it just kept getting. Uh, it became especially in the in the Sunday pages. They would do more and more elaborate uh, storylines, and Google took some took some uh, issue with that. Oh Felt man, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of characters in what in Little Abner. In uh, no, in just in Fearless Fosdick. Oh okay, <laughs> just yeah. Fosdick alone. Yes, I'm sure that they're like the uh, atomic bum. Okay. Who was a vagrant uh, tramp on an escalating crime spree loaded with radioactive plutonium <laughs> and thus deadly if he's touched. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he, but but how he was defeated, he made the mistake of walking on the grass with a do not walk on the grass sign <laughs> and was shot dead by Fearless Fosdick. <laughs> yes. Uh, Gould just took the hole through the person uh, to the, uh, just exaggerated that because I don't even know if that was really a Dick Tracy thing or that if that was a, a you know it's one of the things where like the impersonation kind of takes over your your idea of what who the person is you know yeah. so even though they never did that or ever said that thing yeah that's it no that's really interesting oh there was going to be uh, oh oh there was uh, okay uh, Fearless Fosdick proved popular enough to be incorporated into a short-lived television program in 1952. Mm. A puppet show based on uh, him uh, premiered on NBC on Sunday afternoons and even made the cover of TV Guide. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I guess, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. How come Warren Beatty didn't make a movie if... Yeah, no shit. Fearless Fosdick. Yeah, he should now. Yeah, that was the time. Now is the time. This is when uh, everyone wants uh, in on that. <laughs> Quick, uh, quick uh, flashback to uh, our earlier talk there about Olaf. Um, mm. All right, this I uh, got to give you one more uh, sure. bit of trivia on, on a factoid. On, a factoid on that. Uh, Olaf used to win uh, contests. Okay, uh, dog contests. Yes. Uh, what what uh, contest did he win? This also reflected his original name. Oh, is that right? Yeah, his original name was a fuller thing of it was something Olaf. Uh, and they were the type of contest that he would win. I see. And he would win them regularly. So was this? Uh, was he competing in the luge? He was not competing in the luge. This is something that uh, you do compete dogs in sometimes. There is a famous oh. uh, contest uh, that a dog wins every year. For oh, this. okay. So it would be the Iditarod. Uh, that is not correct. <laughs> it is the Ugly Dog Contest. Oh. So his original name was Ugly Olaf. Oh. So he was in the movie Dog Fight. Sure, but we can't talk about dogfight. Why? Because he's the first oh, rule of dogfight. Dogfight Club is you can't talk about dogfight. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. Never mind Never mind that I said that, dear listener. 
yeah, I remember. Sorry, just real fast on Snoopy, and then I'm back to. I'm happily going back to the uh, Labner. Yeah. Um, but I remember like uh, Andy, who was uh, Snoopy's brother. Okay. Uh, and I liked him because he was drawn like Harry. He was Snoopy, mm-hmm. but just like Harry, and he yeah, was like, yeah. kind of a fun character yeah. to draw. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of the unique things about him was. He first appeared on television and then was incorporated later into the strip, mm. which almost every other character, the reverse was true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For, um, oh. uh, I Want a Dog for Christmas. Oh, no, it was Snoopy's Reunion and then later became uh, was in I Want a Dog for Christmas, Charlie Brown, which I think was the rerun story. I see. Yeah. I see. But yeah, Little Abner, crazy popular. So popular. Amazingly popular. Yeah. Broadway musical. Then Broadway musical becomes well, a movie. Uh, it was a movie first oh was it so there's just a, like a regular there's a black and white movie that was made of little abner oh okay in the 40s i think and then later on there was a broadway musical okay that was done and then that was made into a film that has julie newmar in it yes oh, oh my gosh what was uh <laughs> yeah what was her character's name in that oh i can't remember now yes one of those sort of names you know catastrophe something or there or one of those calamity <laughs> catastrophe. <laughs> oh yeah you're right okay. gorgeous uh yeah yeah, it was an interesting. It was an interesting uh, world. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Frank Frazetta worked as an assistant on Little Abner in the fifties, and uh, brought his own kind of style to a lot of the back, background characters and stuff. Stupefying Jones. There you go. Yes, yes, apt, aptly named. An actual character from the from the book as well. As it should be. Or the the newspaper strip, which is I've I've never finished it because I was reading the kitchen sink. Uh, com- uh, comics uh, they were pub- they were publishing the complete little abner and then they went out of business so part way through i think i was up around at volume i think i got up to volume 16 or something like that and then it ceased so but you know what it probably went a little downhill because he did kind of he did kind of switch from being like a kind of a liberal democrat kind of a guy to becoming more yeah, of a conservative he had to go and harass uh, john and yoko yeah 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 that took up a lot of his time well i think the problem is is that when your comic is that popular and you're like you're like swinging the pendulum of of societal change and stuff like that and then a new generation comes and now your old hat you know you're no longer agreeable to who these old hat they whatever's making you old hat doesn't seem so great so yeah he kind of took it into his head to attack hippies and Get mad at all the the young people. Yeah, the problem with that, and we're talking about the uh, the time when uh, John and Yoko were doing a bed in for peace, and uh, and and uh, the El Cap, yeah. El Cap showed up, and you can you can see that I think like in Imagine, I think the mm-hmm. film Imagine, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, was you know making fun of them as you do. That's a thing. Yeah, uh, which almost was like. Oh, we're having some fun with this, and then he started kind of going after Yoko, and that's yeah, where yeah. Now, now this is turned John, ugly. John wasn't, you... yeah. John kind of, <laughs> John yeah. was not the person to to. Well, he was laying in bed, but he's not the sort of person to lay down and take it. Yeah, that's right. So he kind of sat up and pointedly. Uh, but even when he comes in the room, uh, El Cap says something like, "Here comes the." Here comes trouble, or something like he like he kind of acknowledges that he's not there as like right. an emissary of peace. Well, he's got. A, I mean, this is the thing. It's like I'm sure, like for John Lennon, who had a good sense of humor, you know, he probably read Little Abner and liked the strip and fine, it was good. And then yeah, we'll go, we'll joke around a bit because we're this is a joke. Yeah, yeah. this is a joke. Yeah. We know that we're being clowns. Yeah, yeah. But like the one thing you don't do is then be mean and disrespectful to the to you know <laughs> the little lady, the little woman, to the little woman who's yeah. here. If that's right. There's 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 <laughs> levels you can do this at. You know. 
know, take a shot at me. Take a shot at us. Yeah, yeah. Don't just take a shot at her. And if you take a shot at her, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's certain shots you take and certain shots that's you right. don't take. That's right. They're not B because she's Japanese. Or, yep. Yeah, and the... uh, or, or just being dismissive of her. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. nope, that's not how this flies. And go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. No. And that's a problem, though, because you can see when you watch it that he's getting frustrated that his, his telling blows aren't telling. And so uh, he loses his temper and then he gets personal and then that's that you yeah lose, you lose and all you, yeah all you have to do in that kind of situation is just like laugh along yeah, yeah. and just like you can go that's along with not the, what he was there for i think he thought you know it's so weird because like they won the beatles won yeah like you can't you can't go back in time and like win the generational war that you lost in the the 60s when yeah when the kids were wearing raccoon coats and saying you know you uh Dodio do and stuff like that that you were all you were all a rage but now that they're wearing jeans and protesting the war you're not and mm-hmm. that's just the way it goes but you know obviously it's hard it's hard to lose yeah it's hard to become old hat when you well, yeah believe me i know <laughs> when you i would say yeah I'm, I'm worried about becoming old hat but when was i ever hat <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, it's, it is weird to meet your replacement. That's a scary thing. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, well, unless you go like, I'm just interested in what's going on, and so it's fine, and you encourage and you help, and you yeah, just go on with that. That's that's fine. I, I mean, I see that definitely, like in uh, you know, comedians. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing that pisses off a comedian more than the new version of them, mm-hmm. and they got to make fun of them. Yeah, and it's like oof. And same thing with music. <laughs> It's just oof when yeah. that happens. I'll tell you about the music nowadays. Oh, you know, Mr. Sinatra, tell us about the music nowadays. <laughs> well, it's just uh, okay, fine. Do you think you're coming across well here? Yeah. Do you think how's this how's this playing in your head? It plays great in your head because it plays great to your audience. It's, yes, it plays great in a room that paid to see you. Yes, exactly. Yes, you're killing. But that's a problem, right? Like everyone lives in their own echo chamber, so you know you see that online as well, like with. People like weirdos like Jordan Peterson, you know, like wh- what yeah. encourages him to say the stupid things he says? Listen, wokesters, I'll tell you a thing or two. <laughs> because. Try and kill yeah. me. No one wants to kill you. That's yes, right. <laughs> You'll have to murder me before I'll apologize. No one cares. Why am I getting in trouble for calling this woman ugly? Why am I getting in trouble for dead naming this woman? Because you're being a jerk. That's what you're doing. But because he lives in this echo chamber that rewards mm-hmm. him for being a jerk, mm-hmm. he thinks it's great. And then when he gets in trouble for it, he's like, wait, what? I thought everyone loved this thing. Oh, no. Professor Emeritus, which apparently is codenamed for, we can't get rid of him. <laughs> Sorry, we'd love to. You <laughs> won't silence me. <laughs> no, we just won't listen. <laughs> Silencing me, huh? No, just not listening. Diff- they're very different things. Incredibly different things. How dare you, wokesters? Yeah. Yeah, I seemed, I don't know what happened. I... I don't know what I what button I accidentally pressed, but I suddenly got all this like Jordan Peterson stuff in like in my timeline on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. I was getting ads for some new thing he's got out about making men better men or something like that. I'm just like, my gosh. Yeah, there's a local uh, there's a local fella who's like a right wing uh, guy who's uh, in his I guess twenties or whatever. He's a cartoonist and and I don't want to get into naming him anyway. Um, <laughs> but he did a he was he was sitting next to both my wife and uh, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, at uh, Van Calf mm. uh, a couple of years ago, and like, ugh, just wouldn't, wouldn't be quiet. Just like standing on a chair, actively, like really hardcore flirting with all these girls. And uh, I, I, you know, I personally, I find that like that the both my friend and my wife were 
then got more successful than him, which makes me go tee hee hee. But he's successful in his own kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, he presents this image that's, you know, kind of that like Jordan Peterson, but like, uh, you know, for the youth. Yeah. And then he did this tour of his apartment. And it was just like, oh, <laughs> like you just see him, and just like you know that you that this is coming across to to some people is like this is great. Look at this. Look how he lives. He lives in a. He's got a bunk bed, and like look at his kitchen. He doesn't cook. He doesn't cook. He just fills up like the he, he fills up the oven with books because he loves to read so much. But he doesn't have time for cooking. It's just full of books. Is that and true? Like, Everyone's yeah. full of books. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, but this. I mean, it would seem it would seem dangerous to me. Yeah, it would seem dangerous. I guess you just unplug the oven. Uh, but you know what? Sense. Hey, cook. It's mm. probably better for you to, to actually cook a little bit. <laughs> better than reading? Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. I have to disagree. We have to disagree to agree. Yeah. He, well, he's got lots of books. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. You got that's fine and fine. But like at a certain point, and maybe I am talking to the wrong guy about this. <laughs> you know, if you if you walked in, the first thing you would think was like. Oh, this is a hoarder who's not doing well, mm. you know. But you know, he's got his little camera there, and he shoots his videos, and they do fine. They do quite well. But it's just no. Is he the guy who in, in, insists on pronouncing about a boat? Yep, a boat. Oh my movie? gosh, does he hard hardcore yeah. uh, pronounce that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He lives I've... in lives in New Westminster. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Hmm. Yep. The Royal City soon to lose that. Uh, they're going to get rid of that that whatever name. Nickname. Oh, okay. I think you mentioned that before, but why is that? No, I just read about it in the paper the other day. So, it oh, kind of okay, made, yeah. Why are they? I think they just feel like it's kind of dated. Being connecting yourself to the. I think it's uh, no one calls it that, so let's just stop calling ourselves that because it's weird when we call ourselves that. Well, I mean, I'm sure most places that have like sort of models or nicknames or whatever don't really get called that too much, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but if you call okay, so you're the big smoke, the big apple, the big whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, then you know other people might call your city that. Sure, but no one call, no one goes, hey, uh, where are you going? Going to the Royal City? (laughs) Oh, New Westminster, (laughs) eh? No, that didn't help me at all. You saying that? Yeah, that was a waste of time. You bring that only in the only in the Guns N' Roses song. Going down to the royal city. Doodly doos. I think pity's in there because it's the only other rhyme. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Pity. It's quite the pity. <laughs> a lot of hills in that city. But the sky train place. will take you down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I know. Apparently, they just thought it's old hat and uh, time to get rid of this old no- nomenclature and move on. I don't know if they're just not going to. And you're right. That all. is the third time we've said the phrase "old hat" in this podcast. <laughs> Have I said it? Which a lot? lets you know we're headed straight uh. for Ben Franklin's age. <laughs> there we go. Hey, uh, speaking of things from the old timey past uh-huh. uh, that are also new, both things are true. What? Uh, you you saw Elvis. I saw Elvis. We both saw Elvis. Oh, the, the movie Baz Lur- uh, Lerman film. Yeah. Baz Lerman film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts on uh, on the the movie? Loved the first half. Yeah. Absolutely thought it was great. I especially loved the scene where it like vividly makes you realize like how exciting it was for people who had been so pent up for particularly women who had been like mm. so pent up and repressed for so long to have this like having like having sex on stage in front of them mm-hmm. like just a thing of sex yeah it's like you know so i really like that and i love the frenetic pace and all the like the crazy edits and i love the use of the of rap music while they're like showing uh, Mem- the memphis and, yeah and i liked him meeting his influences and you know like seeing like uh mom you know uh big mama thornton and 
BB King and yeah, I thought and you Little especially Richard. liked those things because you'd get all the references. There. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I really enjoyed all that stuff. And I felt the second half kind of uh, gave way from being imaginative to just being like kind of plottingly movie biography, which you know all movies have like like all these movies have the same pattern, right? Like the, everyone's the same. Like the ray, they go up and then they go down, and then they somehow they find some sort of uh, at the end. There's like a moment where everything gets as good and then whatever, you know, whatever. which which is harder with elvis because he also dies so um but then to be fair so does everybody yes that's true yeah we can take you that's to true. that point in yeah, any it, anyone's life if you if we want sure, to but if you go to see the film rocket man for instance he doesn't die because he's not dead yet <laughs> that's right that is your one way to go about it you know <laughs> yeah i mean and you could stop but if you want to go see the freddie mercury you know, movie I, uh like i got bad sure, news for you sure but I mean, and is there sorry? And let me just say, is there a radically different story between the Freddie Mercury movie and the uh, and the Elton John movie? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, but the one thing is, one of them died, so you know, and so you know, we're gonna mm, we give it that uh, boof at the end instead of da 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 da, da you know, happy <laughs> da da live forever. That's the way it's gonna be. I don't think they say it's gonna live forever, but. Um, well, they play "I'm Still Standing," which feels like well, you know, it's supposed to be the like now I now I'm back. Like I went through some bad yeah. times, and the '80s kind of forgot about me, but now I'm back. Yep, I'm still standing. You can't get rid of me. You're right. I'm never gonna die because, <laughs> because for some reason, as he says, uh, HIV does not affect him. Is that what he says? Yeah, because there's, there's no reason he shouldn't have gotten it. Like oh, he's I just see. one of these people that he doesn't seem be. that it just doesn't seem to affect. He yeah. could be. He could be. Yeah. Not, you're always going to have immunity to, to disease in a population for the most part. Um, but yeah, what were we talking about? Oh, Elvis. Yeah. So yeah, I just felt the second half, like there's lots of sequences in that film that could have been kaleidoscopic and interesting. Yeah. Why not like, you know, when he's getting his jumpsuits designed and it's all rhinestone-y and, and turquoise thingies mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, why not have some fun graphic elements with that? Like, those being those being made, which apparently were made here in Vancouver. Oh, I did those jumpsuits. Was there was a person here in Vancouver who's famous for the rhinestone work and did a lot of work for country and well, country here's western a, here's artists. Here's a question I have about that. Rockstar. Where'd that come from? Rhinestones? Like why? Why? Why did he uh, adopt that look? Well, because if you look at the well, because it's kind of harkening back to the country artists. Mm. Like as you know, you see the he's uh, working traveling with Hank Snow in the beginning of the film, and Snow's wearing those kind of. Like sort of nudie suits as they were not, oh, okay. not naked, but nudie, N-U-D-I-E was the name of a guy who made the suits, the elaborate costumes that country artists wore. Well, why did he go from, oh, I got so many questions. Mm. Why did he go from plain, like, okay, and I understand that that would be an influence. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. But but he, you know, the like just a couple of years before this, he's wearing black and just black. Yeah. Like he's stripped it all down. He's mm-hmm. just performing. Yeah. He's just singing. It's, <laughs> it's the, it's the cleanest look, no distractions. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. And then it goes to fireworks. Like yeah. it's just yeah. like, he is not again, a million miles away from Elton John. Mm-hmm. Where'd that come from? Well, I think that's probably part of it right there. You just said it. I mean, that was the glam era. Yeah. So you had people like Elton John and, and who are, you know, and so, you know, I think, I think part of it was the idea of you're putting on a show. Yeah. You know, and so in the in the 50s, he wore, you know, he wore his drapes and all the sort of like, you know, the kind of uh, rockabilly suits and things like that. They were all really colorful. And, you know, so he's always, he was always about stage presentation, you know, but the 70s is a different style. It was a different feeling. Yeah, and they so. didn't, 
I don't think they really got that. Like, I mean, when you're seeing his influences off the top, you're seeing the influences are, you know, the, the I wouldn't say blues. What type of music would you say that is? That, There's uh, blues in there, but also, yeah, R&B. Yeah, R&B. It's like very sexy. I, I, it's so sexy, I would not call it the blues, but I guess maybe it is. Uh, and gospel. Well, rhythm and blues, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was... I mean, rhythm and blues is like a name given by yes, rhythm and blues. Yeah, okay. Like, so it's so it's the, you know they show really clearly that uh, his influences uh, he's tied between that and uh, and the gospel. It's almost like mm-hmm. heaven and hell, mm-hmm. like it, you know. And then he's got to cross this you know uh, a couple of boards over the mud to get to the other <laughs> side. It's yeah, just yeah. like these two worlds. Yeah, there's some great great symbolism oh, in the beginning of the film. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like oh okay. So now that you you know we have your the comeback special, mm-hmm. uh, and the way they Elvis shot, in person. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I, I met someone who actually was sitting there at the wow comeback wow that's yeah. lucky yeah. It was a friend of mine, uh, another Ian. Uh, his uh, <laughs> was it Ian Boothby from Thor? It was not. No, it was oh. someone else. It was his. Uh, yeah, it was his uh, aunt was there. Mm. Um, but uh, so 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 you see this and like the 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 logic in the film. If you don't know what you know where Elvis ended up, yeah, you know it. It looks like okay. So he was going through all this nonsense, but then it he got it together. This is it, and you could end the movie there. Sure. And now where that's his. That's aunt a good still stand in. That's a good ending place. Great. Uh, but then the next time you see him, he's uh, sweaty. He's getting bigger. <laughs> he's like playing in Vegas, and yeah. you find out why you know he was stuck in Vegas. But yeah, you should then show the influence of like what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. I and agree. They, and they yeah. did a little bit with you know the '60s and everyone getting shot, and the Beatles are there. But like, so what's the? But 70s? they didn't have him meet the Beatles. Like, no, like that would have been kind of cool. Like, have him meet the Beatles and have John Lennon ask what she did when they when he met Elvis was what happened to you, man? Like, he used to be something. And look at you now. You know, they were really disappointed when they met Elvis because he's just like a guy living in a house with a bunch of guys hanging around mm-hmm. just watching television. And, and to the Beatles, that was like so disappointing, you know, because to, to them, he was like a god. Yeah. You know, he was like an amazing, this amazing person that like made a dull gray world colorful. You could have started the movie with that. The very first thing you see in your Elvis movie is John Lennon. <laughs> And the Beatles. Ask him why. Well, no, not even that. You start with the Beatles because yeah. you're like, well, what the hell is going on? Why yeah. are the Beatles in this? And it's like them meeting Elvis yeah. and asking what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. Then you start your film and you show what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, lead up to, you know, the and then with the comeback special. Yeah. I mean, what the hell happened? I mean, it's the usual problem, right? You, There's a few things. No one's ever done this before. No one on earth had ever been Elvis before. Right. Had ever had that kind of fame. Had ever had that kind of adulation. No one had ever experienced that before. No one had ever had like the entire pressure of a country on their back, trying to force them to not be who they were. Mm-hmm. No one's ever experienced that to that degree, you know, like th- that crushingly public uh, pressure, you know. And then also to have a manager who wasn't really in your corner, mm-hmm. you know, who's really you talked a lot about snowing people and called himself a snowman and and stuff but he's also snowing elvis mm-hmm. you know it's in to elvis though they were a team because that's what the colonel told him but they ne- they never were a team it was always elvis was just a meal ticket for this guy to ride and all his decisions were selfish decisions you know how come elvis didn't tour the world because colonel tom parker couldn't t- tour the world he was an illegal alien mm-hmm. who couldn't leave the country with, without some difficulties getting back in again you know, how come he was in Las, Las Vegas? Because Colonel Parker, it was in his interest to have Elvis 
you know, be be stuck in Las Vegas. And I, and also, but there's other, you know, aspects too. I mean, you know, it's just, pers- you know, personality, you know, people, our own kind of laziness, you know, like you can try for so long and then eventually you're just kind of like, eh, this is fine. What I was surprised about, which I really liked that the movie showed, was how small the Las Vegas performing space was like not mm. the stage but just how many people could fit in like not that many people and right. you're like well, how could they afford to pay him millions of dollars a year to be what do you mean because he's only there for like 10 weeks oh, be, oh okay playing to like a small i can explain this crowd i can absolutely explain that okay. to you that's not where they make their money oh no no i know but it's just like it just feels weird like that no everyone there it's not economic but i guess you're right they're just everyone there is spending you know like yeah. you know hundreds to thousands of dollars in the casino mm. that's where they're making their money yeah, they could yeah. they could offer the tickets to elvis like to the show for free yeah yeah and they'd still make money Absolutely. yeah i guess that's true yeah they're they're, they're they're feeding they're feeding uh, addiction mm-hmm. like uh, elvis is of course you know getting addicted yeah, you know yeah. on stage but vegas is addiction that's yeah, yeah. that's what they're feeding yeah. yeah, so it works completely, and and of course, like Parker is, yeah, and you know, an addict. And speaking of an echo chamber, you know that's Las Vegas. There's nothing easier than an audience of people who are there to to adore you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to try hard. You don't have to win anyone over. They're already won over. You can make your dumb jokes. They'll laugh at them. You yeah. can sing your songs. You can do the same songs over and over again. And people just love it. You don't have to practice that much. Yeah. You know? They want this night to be good mm-hmm. for their own reasons. Because yeah. they they came here to see you. And if they if this is a bad show, they were dumb for coming here. <laughs> so if your show is good, then that works out for them. It's a nice night for them and the, and yeah. the, and yeah. the, the partner. But it doesn't have to be spectacular. No, 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 no. Because they're already like 100% on board with <laughs> yeah. this being a good night. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, to me, that's like, I remember when my, uh, my, my mom and dad saw cats mm. and they paid like a hundred bucks to see cats when it was in town. Yeah. And uh, I asked how it was and my dad went, well, I guess it had to be good because we paid a hundred bucks. <laughs> so, you know, if, you, if, if it wasn't, if it wasn't good, we blew a hundred bucks. So, you know, everyone who sees it is going to tell you, yeah, it was great. It was a hundred bucks worth of great. Uh-huh. And it was a smart thing I did buying those tickets. <laughs> Hooray! We all had a great time. Hundred yeah. bucks worth of good time. Yeah, yeah. My my biggest problem with the with the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's two things. One, yeah, that all the surreal stuff was off the top, and then like you know by the by the end where he's on drugs, and it is very surreal. And they, it's kind of pedestrian feeling. It's very pedestrian. It's like yeah. that's weird. Yeah. Like so, when he was sober, it was surreal, and when he was high, <laughs> well, he was, was never sober, but yeah. Well, the pills come pretty fast when he was a kid. Oh, when he's a kid, yeah. Little yeah. kid, you know. It, yeah. They're shooting all that very surreal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, very Lerman-esque, yeah. Yeah, and then... But my, my biggest problem was, you know, you start off with uh, the unreliable narrator who is, you know, the colonel. Mm. So I'm like, oh, okay. So so everything is being surreal, but that also works within the narrative of he's telling you a story. Yeah. Like Elvis was like this, and he yeah. was like that, and here's the thing, and he wanted to fly to the Rock of Eternity, and that's something the snowman would tell you. Mm-hmm. But then when you get to near the end, we lose the colonel. Yeah. Like, there's... Like, like the very last half hour, we don't get the colonel. Like, we see him wandering. Like, he, he has, like, maybe a heart attack. Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> he's faking it. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but we see him wandering through the casino, 
pulling levers and then sitting down and like, you know, that's what kind of almost the last time we see him. And then we keep the story going. It's like, well, who's the narrator now? Yeah. Yeah. That's you a good know, point. I what's ha- what's that, happening that's true. to the point where at the very end, they do one of those title cards that comes up <laughs> and goes like Colonel Tom Parker. This yeah, happened yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wait, are we still in the reality? Like who's telling me this? <laughs> just the, just the basis of like, yeah. Parker's story is what he's telling it. Yeah. So what's this about? You're now just telling me facts. Well, who's facts here? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, and then ending with like saying Elvis Presley is, you know, the uh, best selling, you know, single artist in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And those like, are things for the family. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the Presley estate. Absolutely. 100%. But it's on just that like, sort of. Well, show me that. Because mm-hmm. then they end with, as you say, like a rap song with Elvis. And it's like, Oh, no, 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 no. Don't show me that. Yeah. Show me how Elvis Presley is influenced the world now because we started with his influences. Yeah. He's passed away. That's sad unless you're now showing me how, but now he's the influence for people and that's okay. That's fine now. Show me what the kids that have, uh, that are, that are now the young Elvis, uh, now they're going out and doing stuff that then we're fine. But no, instead it was, hmm. You're just giving me some title cards, like yeah. Well, 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 hell with that. That's cheap. That's easy. That's that's bullshit. You know, you you stopped the movie you were telling about half an hour before the movie yeah. wrapped up. Yeah. No, I don't know. I I don't really know what happened. I mean, I'm not the biggest Baz Luhrmann fan in the world, to be honest. Like I, I don't, I never saw Romeo plus Juliet, and and uh, I like that. And I like Moulin Rouge, all right. And I saw a bit I, of Moulin Rouge, but not all of it. I haven't I, seen Australia. Yeah, me neither. It's too far to get there. <laughs> but hilarious joke from dave uh but i really like you know his... that joke will boomerang back on you it'll be <laughs> it certainly bit. will uh i really liked his his uh, great gatsby okay i thought that was really a really really good film like, did I you see it, re- it in 3d or did you see it to no 3D? i did not see it in 3d i didn't know it because if, if i knew that was the thing i could do i would have gone but uh yeah that would have been even better because that film i mean the book is now the book is very stirred, and we all know about it because it's classic American story and nice and short too. And it's, you want to read a classic book in a day? <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Uh, but it's a very lurid novel. It's telling a very lurid story of part, wild parties and bootlegging and and people drunkenly driving around and all kinds of of bad behavior. And Lerman really brings that out in his in his his version. I thought just I love the. I love the over-the-topness of it all and how everything's very up, you know, at, at 10 all the time. And he's very good at that. And that's where he, you know, and so I thought, and I'd love that this movie started at 10, but it just felt weird that it ends at 3, you know, like it just, yeah. and I agree with you, you know, that's a very good point. Like you lose, you lose the narration of, of, of the colonel and you need that throughout the film. He should be narrating the death of Elvis. He was still alive when Elvis died. Like he should be narrating it, you know. And the movie should end with him in a very Lerman-esque hell. The colonel, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it should be. Well, if you're talking like, and here's just a silly symbolism thing to me, because it starts off with uh, with Elvis, uh, you know, being a big fan of Captain Marvel Jr. and you mm-hmm. know who he got his hair style from. That's true, yeah. and uh, that and, and Dean Martin and saying like his, oh yeah, nice, and and saying that uh, you know, and he wanted to blast off and fly to the Rock of Eternity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, and then at the end of the movie, he's stuck at the International. It's like. Well, you're at the Rock of Eternity. <laughs> what did you think the Rock of Eternity was going to be like? Yeah. You know, not repetition, because that's what the Rock of Eternity is. You're there. Huh. And now you've made it. Yeah. And now are you happy? Nope. 
<laughs> no, you wouldn't be. No, the flight is the thing, not yeah. getting to the rock of eternity, because mm. then it's just like we're repeating it forever. Here's one thing I, I didn't understand just from a legal standpoint. Yeah. Because it sets up a problem that just felt to me like, well, how's that a fucking problem? Uh, but they made it as in like, this is the biggest problem. And it was like uh, Elvis wanted to fire the colonel. Yeah. And the colonel was like, you can't fire me. This is the amount of money you owe me, and yeah. I'm going to sue you. Oh, yeah. That could have easily been taken care of. But here's the thing. They're not... They're not I don't want to say they're not smart because that's that's mean, but they're not well-educated people. Okay, but on the base, on like, the most, I mean, I'm not educated as to the law, but we've just set up two things. Yes, here, you're just a simple country I'm, chicken. We've already right. established that. That's right. And let me tell you this much: <laughs> uh, uh, was you know we set up that like you know he doesn't have a country, he doesn't have a passport, he doesn't mm-hmm. have any of these things. Yeah. Uh, but then his thing is, I'll take it to court and I'll sue you. Mm-hmm. How? Yeah. How are you? Well, going people to... say that. To, people say that in the film, like they're like, let him. Like, there's nothing he can do to us. Well, no, but they don't say for the reason, which is he's not a citizen. No one knew that. Okay. No one knew that about him. Right. That was a secret. But that's going to be one of the first. Things that's why that... there's when it's mentioned in the film, he gets all shifty eyed and right. the music goes dun dun dun. But it just seems like the the the, the most basic you know, solves all your problems yeah. thing. It's just like, uh, listen, I'm going to take you and I'm going to sue you. Oh, okay. Who are you paying taxes to? Yeah. Because, that, you know, you're yeah. not a citizen. So what are you doing? Yeah, that people didn't the know The end. Like that problems, problem solved. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's mutual destruction. That's there. why he, that's why he, that's why he scuppered Elvis and made him join the army it was because of that. Because the government was threatening to, to, to investigate this. Oh, Okay. That's why he. That's you know. So that that's that was well, totally his, then that dumb dumb should have gotten citizenship out of that. <laughs> Just like I, you make me a citizen, then uh, then Elvis will yeah. join the army and uh, we'll we'll take care of all this business. And like now yeah. you're fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sad, like sad, I mean, sad. Like you know, obviously, it seems glamorous to travel around the world and tour and stuff. And it's, pro- it's probably like deathly hard work and stuff like that. But it's probably your first time doing it. It's great fun. And Elvis never got to do that. He never got to travel to England mm-hmm. and perform for people there, where he was super popular or any part of Europe. Yeah, they they do a they do a, they have a scene which was just like hmm, where they specifically go like you know we've got offers from Germany and we got offers from Japan. They're yeah. each willing to pay you one million dollars for one show. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, and and Parker's uh, yeah that. yeah and yeah you can take it as an, it's got no passport. Just like well, those are two Axis uh, powers. You know, is that anything? Like that it was like Germany and Japan were the no. ones that you that you that you said. Well, he had like, he had served in he served in the army in Germany, Elvis. Okay, but but Parker did not want to you know this this going on, and it's just like why is what it just felt no, he weird. just didn't want he didn't he couldn't leave he couldn't be with Elvis if Elvis left the left to go to those places. And what's the problem with that to me? Like I don't I don't get that. Like you go like you send yeah. Elvis off. It's one show. Mm-hmm. Because Elvis is his meal ticket. He doesn't want to lose control he of does, Elvis. No, but it's one show. And yeah. you get a million dollars. And mm-hmm. I think you're now getting half of that. But he got more. He got more by get, by locking Elvis into the casinos. Okay, but this is... Bef- I'm trying to think of like where, where this is in this the is, story. This is when he derails that by, by getting Elvis to, to perform in the casinos. Okay. He derailed the plans to do live stuff. Because that was, was in the works. Yeah. Like he had... You know, Elvis had people who were trying to work for his... 
you know, obviously, who knows how much self-interest and is again, in And it's, again, it's, it's addicts, you know, wanting money and wanting control. And there's a lot of other factors. I get mm-hmm. it. But to me, that was just one of those, we'll do both those shows. And now you, the guy who's got 50%, <laughs> yeah. now you just made a million bucks yeah. in like the early 70s. What are your debts? But he made more than that because he got his debts cleared. And then he also got unlimited credit as long as Elvis played at that. Right, hotel. right. But what are your debts then? Like, yeah. is, is, is Tom Parker like more than a million dollars in the hole? Pro- maybe, probably. Whew. That's a lot of work in the <laughs> 70s to get, you know, one hand well, at a time. Through, through the 60s. And, That's yeah. still a lot of work yeah. to like, you know, get a million dollars in wow. 60s money. Tell, tell Norm whole. McDonald that. Tell who? Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald did it in like the uh, uh, knots and yeah. the uh, tens. Okay. You know, then you can, and Elvis was, uh, not Elvis, Las Vegas was a very different place, you know, then than it was back back then. Like, I'm sure there are high rollers there. Not that, not of that level, I wouldn't you don't think. don't think so? I don't think like, I don't think there's a lot of people that, that could get a million dollars in the hole, mm. you know, without like ending up at, buried in the desert. <laughs> Well, that's certainly part of why he wants Elvis to play there. Yeah, there's a scene, a scene with that as well. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we got a mix of two things here. One, just the reality, which that is yeah. that is the reality, and then, and then and then the filmmaking and the filmmaking. I do think I agree with you. It starts it starts really interesting and symbolic. Yeah, and you know, I one thing I really like is. Where it's Elvis and his family, and they're uh, praying before a show. Mm, yeah, and they're yeah. praying for help before a show, and yeah. then the light falls on Parker, and it's just like, "Oh, your prayer brought a devil," because <laughs> that happens sometimes. There you yeah. go. Okay, here he is. Here's your test. Can you yeah. pass this test? Oh, you can't. And I mean, and he bought the family off, right? He he uh, creates Elvis Presley Enterprises, which he owns fifty percent of, probably fifty one percent if they're if we're being honest. And then puts Vernon Presley, uh, an illiterate, uneducated, you know, sharecropper, yeah, truck driver, someone he can control, someone he can control because that guy has no knowledge of what's happening. He's just signing his name onto stuff. Yeah, he doesn't know what he signed. Doesn't know what it means. He has no understanding of what's happening. It's all, he feels constantly like a phony the whole time he's doing that. Right, like he's never comfortable in that situation. He's always on that left foot. Mm-hmm. And that's, or always in the back foot. And that's how Colonel Parker wants it, you know. I mean, that guy knew how to play. He knew how to, he knew how to make it work. And, you know, we can like scratch our heads why that happened. Why did they stay with him? But, you know. Oh, it makes com- sense why Complacency, they you know, like feeling safe. Even even though it's dangerous, you still feel safe there. You know, you're, you're doing well. You got a house. You got a, you got a plane. He has his own plane. If you read the, if you read the Albert Goldman uh, biography of Elvis, there is, I mean, for all the, you know, hysterical people getting upset when it was published, I mean, his description of, of Graceland is just priceless. Which and we the, don't really see much of. No, not the not the gaudy Graceland, yeah. not the not the jungle room Graceland. We don't get that stuff, which is also frustrating because that is also yeah. crazy neat and Lerman-esque. And why isn't that in the movie? And... But there's also a description of, of getting Elvis from Graceland to Las Vegas for a performance or when he went on his, his tour of America, like getting this drug addicted, you know, overweight guy ready and able to travel 
to and get him to Las Vegas and get him on stage, which was just a case of like, you know, a shot for this and a shot for that and get him there and do this and please him this way and mod- mollify him that way and coddle him here and just get him out on stage yeah. and just get him, you know, performing. And then we don't have to worry because as long as he's singing, he's okay. But everything else in his life mm. after that is just a wreck and a ruin. And that would have been something that would have been interesting to see as well. Like there's elements that, you know, I just felt like, oh, so many times I was thinking, oh, they really dropped the ball here. Oh, they really dropped the ball. Like I love the design for the TCB, you know, taking care of business stuff they had, you know, to, it's kind of like a team building thing. And, I, and why wasn't that used as some sort of kaleidoscopic thing when he was performing? Mm-hmm. With, you know, they did it in the end credits, but why not in the movie? You know, so it's just uh, so many times I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it almost felt like, yeah, there's all this stuff that they'd forgotten that they were just shoving over the credits. Mm-hmm, it was like, mm-hmm. not enough yeah, right now. Yeah, not yeah. enough. I know we were, I mean, they really do hit that, like, you know, how much, and they try to, you know, say, you know, he says, you know, uh, is it B.B. King is the king of, uh, you know, uh, music or something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and king so. King of the Blues. King of the Blues. King of the Blues, that's yeah. right. And so, you know, it definitely, it shows, you know, Elvis borrowed a lot. And they show and they show yeah, it. Yeah, like, they, were, they show like he, he was you know, honest, he, and they were honest about his yeah, his influence. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but you know, then those performers, with some exceptions, uh, you know, you know, of course, you know, BB or um, uh, what's his uh, Tutti Fruity Rudy, Little Richard, Little Richard, and what have that you. That was fun to watch that performance. That was a very fun performance. Yeah. But the nice thing, you know, would it, and they kind of do it because they do run that rap song over the over the end. But it, it would have been nice to have like. Okay, so he's influenced by black music, and then modern black music, you know, ha- takes from Elvis, and then is influenced again, and now, but now, now they can make the money off it in theory, <laughs> in theory, <laughs> as much as you can. Spotify, please pay people. Um, but yeah, it would it would yes. have been nice to Record kind of companies, see, please yeah, pay people. Yeah, see, see, this goes to that, which <laughs> then goes back, and then goes to that, mm. and that would have been a nice kind of narrative uh, arc on there that would also have been true you know and there is some there is some uh as always a little eliding the truth like they didn't show a brown haired elvis he actually had brown hair he dyed his hair black you know that because he liked dean martin and he liked and and also uh billy bats and or shazam you know so you know that was they didn't really show that in the movie it's like he's always dark haired and you're like no it's not really true no well, not really true but okay i guess well, i guess we're just Gloss over these little things. This is again the, a dumb little thing that uh, you think it was like Captain Marvel Junior. is a is a very odd, uh, hard. It's a very odd uh, superhero in mm-hmm. that like it's the he's the only superhero who can't say his own name because if he says his name, he transforms back into his real uh, self. Yeah, yeah. Who is a, a disabled uh, boy? <laughs> Newspaper uh, boy. Yeah, as yeah. as it's as, as he would say in the, in the lame, mm. you know. Uh, but uh, you know. Uh, his name has like all this power. He gets his power from his name, mm. you know, and so it becomes, you can go with the reverse that like, you know, he is this weak boy who can't function too well. And then, uh, but the, when you say his name, boom, and uh, lightning strikes, and then he's larger than life. And then later on, you have Elvis with his name everywhere. It's like the name is the power. Mm-hmm. This is what he is. He's Elvis. And, uh, and that's where he's strong. And the second he gets off stage, Shazam, boom, you know, he's not anymore. And now he's like, stumbling over and can't stand up yeah but the second he's on stage there's his name <laughs> boom and he's stuck on the rock of eternity and elvis was religious but it, he doesn't feel like someone who is tormented by it the way jerry lee lewis was 
mm. you know, who felt like he really was playing the devil's music and that he was betraying his 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 faith. Elvis didn't really feel that way about it. Maybe because, well, I don't know why, because Jerry Lewis was exposed to the same sort of things and had gospel music, etc. They didn't really get into his feelings about sex in the way... You know, uh, like the the music definitely had sex in it. Yes, was was wrapped up. But then, you know, I, I, what what it came across to me was, you know, the way uh, Parker took him was he is a son, he is a son, and that's where he's most comfortable as being someone's son. And so uh, Parker made his way into the family and made it a family business. So he was kind of that paternal influence. Yeah, and especially after his mother died. He 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 finds comfort in being a son, and he wants someone to tell him what to do, and that's what uh, that's what Parker was able to do. But he's also got this weird relationship in the movie, at least, with his mother, where it just seems like oof, that's a bit that feels a bit too close. Mm-hmm. And then you know later on when he's like with Priscilla, it feels like oh this is the replacement for the for the mother side of things, but that's not the sex side of things. And so he's cheating on her, which she realizes because she knows what she is to him. Yeah. And it's like, I don't care about the girls on the side. I don't care about those. That's not that's not what bothers me. What bothers me is you and I aren't laughing. You and I aren't spending any time together. We're not a family. Yeah. That's what bothers me. Yeah. And uh, and that was that was interesting to mm-hmm. me. It's like, you know, for a guy who, you know, uh, they definitely present as pure sex. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's like Yeah, you don't see any you don't see him having sex in the movie. No. You you see, you know, uh, uh you see him, you know, with with some groupies yeah. and what have you like later on, but maybe yeah. his maybe his performing music was his sexual act. So. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's like maybe maybe sex couldn't compare to, you know, performing in front of all these people well, and that energy. That's not unusual, I think. Yeah. It's hard to hard to beat that sort of experience, I I'm I, I imagine. Right. I never experienced it. And they kind of bro- I want to. and they kind of brush past like the the Priscilla stuff and like how they met mm. and their relationship and yeah. her waiting for him and what what things were like and the age difference between them and what have you and yeah they kind of like just go whoosh over that and yeah it it, it almost feels like Baz Luhrmann got bored with the movie near the end and just was I like f- wrapping well up. I feel I mean stuff like that obviously is the Presley estate having you know. They have to sign off on these things, so they're gonna like elide over that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. When you're just, ma- that's just the reality. Though, I know right? the reality, but the rea- we're not making reality. We're making a movie. I mean, they're pretty honest about you know his drug drug taking and stuff like that. But yeah, I just feel like Lerman just kind of lost the lost the fight. <laughs> I don't know what happened near the end where it just becomes very cookie cutter and very much kind of. Yeah. Does it feel like they're being honest about his drugs? Like, like it feels like the the drugs uh, are presented as something that were pushed on him by Colonel Parker and that he never was asking for or wanted or was... Well, yeah, I think that he would fall into the category of someone like Prince or I name Michael another... Jackson? Was that? Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. People who, if you said to them, you're a drug addict, they would have said, no, 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 I'm taking prescription drugs. My doctor is giving me these drugs. I, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not some weird lo- loser junkie, you know? You're like, yeah, but you're ta- you're you're like taking a a huge amount of diluted, which is heroin, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 I'm I'm not a junkie. Like they would have just, cause, I mean, Elvis like famously right. went to, to to see Richard Nixon at the White House and and offer himself up as like this sort of uh, anti drug 
you know, anti-drug leader who is going to like get the kids of America off of drugs. Yeah, wasn't the, yeah, wasn't there also a spy sort of thing with that, or is that just bullshit? I think that's a little. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a little. Uh, but but, but little we gloss. never got any. Like you're telling me that, and that sounds really interesting. All this sounds really sure, yeah. good. That'd be good in a movie. Yeah, you got to got to got to given a gun from the president. You know. Yeah. That that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. The movie didn't have enough guns in it. Right. He shoots out like a bunch of TVs, but it's like, oh well, yeah, that's right. He liked guns. Where'd that come from? Oh yeah, we haven't really connected. We haven't really with that. seen that. Like it should, you know, like was he a very was he grew up in a gunny house because it was he like grew up you in know? the south. Yeah, that's fine. Then show me someone with yeah. a gun because that's like, a funny part of that that show, um, uh, Low on the Spectrum, mm-hmm. the American version, the the one the one of the the girl who lives in North Carolina is complaining about being on tinder or whatever and all every shot of every guy on there they have to have a picture of them with their hunting trophies and sure. with a gun and with a dead animal and stuff like that and she's like every one of them has this you know but he grew up in that culture as well and so guns were just part of the the vernacular of their of their daily lives you know that you had a that you had you know revolvers sitting around in a bedroom drawer and, and you know on top of your fridge and and inside probably maybe inside the fridge somewhere we could accidentally grab it when you meant to get a beer and just you know, like, yeah, it, it does kind of it does kind of leave out stuff like that too, which are kind of the more it does leave out like a lot of the creepier elements of Elvis. That's for sure. You have to read Albert Goldman for that, folks. And then my mom will get mad about it. Well, that's not how it was. How do you know? That's not what it felt like at the time. <laughs> Sounds like your mom was Nixon for a bit there. <laughs> I'm just just expressing her her. Stick, he was not a junkie. Stick in the mud. Yeah, exactly. What that's how exactly what like she just finds all all it's like. She talked about the movie to me. I was like, oh, are you going to go see Elvis? And and because we were going to go see it. And she's like, no, I don't want to see that movie because it's all lies. I'm like, okay. What you mean is it, it paints him in a way that's not 100% an angel. Yeah. Is how you want to see him. And, you know. Hey, he performed here. Where? At Empire Stadium. I've mentioned that little trivia many times. It's the only place in the world where both the Beatles and Elvis performed. That's just down the uh, street. We should go. It's gone. What? They tore it down. Yeah. Well, what's there now? Soccer fields? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I, that's where I, I, I walk quite a bit around. Okay, there. yeah. I walk around the track that's around those soccer fields. Yeah. And I do often think of just like, huh, the Beatles were here. And Elvis. Huh. I didn't think about the Elvis thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, the Beatles. Let's see. Beatles were here. They yeah. performed for 20 minutes, then the crowd got unruly. Did uh, Red Robinson uh, bring him here? Bring Elvis here? Yeah. He might have been part of that. Yeah, I don't okay. know. I think he probably, I'm 90% sure he did. I, you know. I did a uh, play where I played Red Robinson and uh, we had Elvis in it. And I do think that might have been casually mentioned. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> I, I, do think, and I do think in the time that I met Red Robinson afterwards, he had mentioned, he mentioned it a couple of times. That was the kind of thing he would mention. Well, you know, Colonel Tom could have come to Canada quite easily because there's no, our borders are open. So there's no need to show passports or anything. So he could have just driven back and forth. But um, so Elvis may have played in like. Yeah, he brought Elvis to Vancouver. Okay. That's right. And I'm sure, you know, Elvis may have played in Toronto as well. I don't know, but. Or other Canadian cities, but just it's just that one building that, that has that, that, uh, that Venn diagram. Sorry, this is just a picture of Red Robinson with Elvis Presley. It's okay. a nice picture. Sure. But there's a incredibly creepy stuffed panda that's right behind them. <laughs> that I don't know what. I don't know what that has to do. That's Colonel Tom Parker. <laughs> Colonel Tom Panda. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I, okay, I'm, I'm giving you this uh, picture. Oh, you'll be thanks. very happy that I did. Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much. Please check out our website and check out the picture of, uh, of that. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so there we go. 
you know, uh, fix that movie, guys, and then get back to us. <laughs> yes, fix it up. Make it make it more even more Lerman-esque. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit more about uh, his uh, movie career as well. They really brushed through. Oh that man, did the, they ever? They just even, like title cards. We didn't even get a fun montage or anything of him like. Oh yeah, so many, so many missed opportunities. That part—that's where the film really started to fall apart for me. There, I was just kind of like, "Oh, this is just but nothing. Nothing's happening." Boo! I did enjoy. Uh, I did enjoy the uh, TV show recording. The recording of the TV show with Colonel Tom Parker, like the whole time going. And when are they doing Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Yeah, as someone who's done TV shows, like the idea that they could sneak another TV show into a TV show and not do the first TV show, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Um, how how is how is any of this going? Down? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but but okay, sure. I mean, I, I get what you're going with. I don't think they snuck it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think that happened. But it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's a movie. Yeah, that's a thing. Hey, guess what? We're a movie. So yeah, there we are. Fe- I would like to have seen a bit featuring more featuring t- uh, D- Dacre Montgomery. Is that his name from from uh, Stranger Things? He played the director, Steve Binder. Oh, okay, all right. Um, in that sequence there. I was him. I watched it. Saw him, and I was like, "Boy, there's a lot of Australians in this movie. I wonder why." <laughs> there's more Australians than in the movie Australia. <laughs> that Austin Butler did a great job as Elvis. By the way, I really, really thought he did. Okay, a great job. yes, I agree. And uh, once, and like um, the actor in Rocket Man, whose name has now escaped me, right? Sings sings the songs. Yeah, that's amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, when they can do that. Um, there was some of, some of the later stuff. They they use some Elvis recordings, but the early like live performances and stuff. The uh, he sang them. Uh, you know who else can do that? That's just a weird side thing. Mm. Is uh, have you ever seen the uh, the videos that uh, Jimmy Fallon and uh, Paul Rudd do, uh, where they uh, just recreate like old uh, videos? Okay, like they'll do. Uh, do I they mean, sing them themselves? They sing them themselves. Oh, wow. You know, uh, like I think too much time on my hands. Uh, the, you spin me right round. But like Paul Rudd sings the songs. Okay, and it's like just dead, dead on. Uh, what was it? Uh, the King of Wistful Thinking. All these cheesy videos. Don't know them, but and yeah. they recreate and they recreate them exactly. Mm. But Paul Rudd sings them like exactly dead on. Oh, like cool. shit. I was like, he's in show business, business or something. I know, but that's all. Yeah, that doesn't mean you're a singing mimic. No, no, but. You know, if you went through like a proper showbiz training, you should be able to sing and dance and yeah, those sort of things. That's true. Most the most people that are around his age and who is, you know, not, no one that looks like him. Yeah. But like, if you threw them three balls, they juggle on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and also that Austin Butler is really good in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, what's he in that? He plays Tex, uh, whatever his last name was, Tex Watson, the the henchman of Charles Manson who comes to the house with the girls too. Oh. Yeah, but also does some fantastic riding in that movie. That was where I was most impressed. Okay. I'm always impressed by actors who can ride horses, right? Because one of my things I always think about that actors should always do is learn to ride a horse. Mm-hmm. And that should be like if you think I'm going to become an actor, you should learn to fight, do stage fighting, and you yeah. should learn and you should learn to ride a horse. I got a, I got a good friend. Who, you will always get hired. I got a good friend uh, who uh, I was in a comedy troupe with, mm-hmm. and you, you know them. And uh, and uh, they did a movie with uh, Shannon Doherty. Okay. And uh, they asked, "Can you ride a horse?" Mm-hmm. In the auditions, and yeah. he said, "Yes." Okay. 
couldn't, couldn't ride a horse. Couldn't ride a horse. Uh, and oh. so there's a scene in the movie where uh, they all like uh, are riding horses. Yeah. And uh, he almost goes off a cliff. Like very, <laughs> very close to going off a cliff. Uh, and you watch it and go like, geez. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it looks like nothing if you're not aware that yeah. he does not know how to ride a horse. Yeah. But he went like, yeah. And then I turned and I looked at everyone's horrified faces. <laughs> Yes. But it's worth it because you know why? It was a Shannon Doherty movie. Yes, and that's. I was going to say because he got paid, but okay, that's also good. That's also, that's what you want. You want that sacrifice. to be the story of sure. just like, yeah. you know what? He died doing what he loved. A <laughs> Shannon Doherty movie. That's that Shannon Doherty western. Definitely worth the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he does some amazing writing in that film, Awesome Butler. So yeah, I just like, well, this guy's got it all. He can sing you know, and also ride a horse. Yeah, he's he's got a good uh, couple of years in him uh, at the very least. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully this will open up some more roles for him. Yeah. Or maybe just be happy with character parts as well. Don't get carried away. That's my advice. There's enough things that are actual musicals that are out there he could do too. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> or just re- do another Elvis movie, but get it. Uh, get the last third right. Get it. <laughs> just do another Elvis movie. Um, have you ever seen the Kurt Russell, John Carpenter, Elvis TV miniseries no it's pretty good pretty good i was gonna ask what's your favorite uh, elvis uh, thing favorite elvis thing as in like someone representing elvis or or portraying elvis Uh, that would be bruce campbell in bubba hotep yeah okay give you that uh and this is another this is a complete (laughs) side thing uh and uh jack white in uh and uh walk hard the dewey cox uh story where he just plays him yeah it's just kind of nuts and like always, always showing off his kung fu. <laughs> sure, he, sure he did. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He's pretty proud of it. Because that was part of partly when you said why did he wear those suits? That was partly why too, because he could perform kung fu on stage in those yeah. those suits. They had stretch stretchiness to them. Oh. so it's weird. It's it feels like they were a bit ashamed of that period yeah. in the life. So like, let's get through it. And it's like. Yeah. No, have fun with it. Yeah, have fun with it. Because they did do a couple of performances there, like yeah. the you know, and they were really good mm-hmm. songs. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And even the the final song, the the Unchained Melody, where mm-hmm. they switch, I th- they switch to the real Elvis. Do, yes, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is which is a nice little uh, thing. Mm-hmm. But it's just like that's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Show it. Like show even it. at the end, yeah, he's still an amazing performer. Still could absolutely still could sing. You know, uh, despite. You know, he couldn't shit, but he could sing. Okay. But that's, was that part of the drugs? Yeah. When you take a lot of uh, opiates, you uh, get bunged up. Oh, that's no good. That's no good. That's where, that's where Lenny Bruce died as well. Oh. On the toilet. Boo. Well, thanks for the Miss Maisel spoilers. <laughs> Does she die in the toilet? No. He's in. Uh, Lenny Bruce is one of the major characters. I know. In I know. Is he major? He kind of just keeps kind of coming in and coming out again. He sort of shows up and... He's like the conscience of, of the film and then or the show and then he leaves the game. A little bit, yeah. He 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 did do a good uh thing in the last uh, season. It was really good. Where he just like kind of summed up, you know, do you think I like being arrested? I want to perform. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. You are the symbol of like free speech to all these people now. It's yeah. like that's not what he wanted. No, no, that's not what he wanted. He wanted to want to make people laugh and do a big show. He wanted to, but he also wanted to be himself. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he's like, I spent the fifties being being uh you know, Jackie Bruce or whatever, you know, like being like this person I wasn't, you know, being this, hey, everybody, I'm here to do, do, yeah, everyone join the show, come on, ladies and germs and all that stuff. And then he's just like, fuck this shit. Fuck it. I'm going to 
quit this garbage. I'm going to become like an MC at a strip club. And I'm just going to make jokes for the band. Sure. You know, he did that for a couple of years and he was happy doing it too. Well, he was also a la Elvis building the form, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. It's yeah. just like, that's yeah. the one thing you don't take into account. Just like people were always doing stand up, right? No, no, <laughs> no, no. no yeah. one's doing stand up in like vaudeville days. Like yeah. they're going out and they're they're telling jokes, but they're not doing the type of stand up. Yeah, you're saying we're like, let's take the mic out of the stand. So where are you from? <laughs> yeah, what's and, going on over here? What's in the news? Like yeah. no one's doing that stuff. And and where Bruce was, I mean, baseball players have weird nicknames, do they? <laughs> where like Bruce was, ahead was he was telling jokes from his life as well. Yeah, you know, which is who's doing that? Which I mean, it started to become a thing with like. Jean... Shecky Green. Not Shecky Green. No, it was a woman. Oh, okay. A female stand-up. That doesn't sound right. You're making stuff up. <laughs> it was one of the very early ones. Wait a second. I gotta check with Cliff Nesteroff. Hey, Cliff. <laughs> women stand... Oh, they were. Huh. Yeah. I should read all your books. All right, I will. <laughs> all right. Sorry, I'm doing a podcast. I'm so busy. I'm too busy. And, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, he was way ahead of that and also way ahead of like yeah and just being like talking about like personal stuff like the idea of like a guy getting on stage and talking about yeah i'm on trial and this is you know happening to me and, and people are just like why are you talking about that this is you're murdering yourself but but who knew yeah who knew because again you're making like um this this is a weird thing like uh my wife and i toured germany uh about 10 years ago maybe maybe okay. a little longer than that yeah uh time has no meaning anymore <laughs> uh but we we toured uh, germany with our comic books and we had uh, a, a dinner with this uh, german comedian stand-up comedian <laughs> and uh, he started uh german stand-up comedy <laughs> like less than 10 years before then okay because they had not had it at all in yeah. germany that just did not exist okay and it's just like, oh, yeah, this is a fairly new thing, you know. And, uh, you know, it started, you know, it was even in, in you know, North America. It's very, very recent, mm-hmm. you know. And you think, oh, yeah, this form, of course, yeah, this wasn't a thing, you know. So, yeah, you're, Lenny Bruce definitely was just, like, finding his way around. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that most of it is unplayable on the radio now. <laughs> yeah. Because of the... You know, you can't do his meeting black people at parties. No, but what you can do is go online and like listen to all of it. <laughs> yeah. So there's negatives and there's positives. Yeah, yeah. There's you know I just mean like it's just sad that things at the time that were so revolutionary and really pushed the form ahead and made people like turn turn their head and look and got a lot of laughs from the band. Are now some are banned. Well you can't well, <laughs> they are and they aren't. Like you could do a thing where you, you know, say, look. Like that's it. It should be like a radio station called Look. <laughs> Look, we, things we, are different we, then. We know, but this if was... you're if you're if you're paying for it, if it's like a you know, and like this is old timey, and just beforehand you go, these were things that were said back then, and you know times were different, and da 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 da, and like you know we're letting you know ahead of time this mm-hmm. is what's going to be. Then yeah. yeah, you probably get away with you know playing things, but on the mainstream radio, radio no, because you know he's he's making fun of those stereotypes and stuff like in the father flotsky's yeah. triumph is in a prison one race like playing the black character who's gwine up to heaven and sure wish he gets some wadi melon and stuff like that those were jokes for the band yeah the, believe me the black guys in the band were killing they were doubled over laughing at that that stuff you know and that's what he was doing that for because people in the audience aren't going to get that he's the irony of what he's doing there you know like yeah. those stereotypes were still like believed 
you know, like, like, oh, I hope I don't mean a black person. They're going to have a razor and, you know, and get me involved in a craps game. You know, this kind of ridiculous stereotypes. Yeah. Like, and they had how to talk to a black person at a party and yeah, yeah. and the other. Yeah. Like, and again, it's the, it's the, it's the mix. It's the, uh, you know, yeah, you can't hear that on the radio. Mm-hmm. Fair. But you can hear it elsewhere like anything and it's all available to you and here you go so sure but you have to you have to seek it out you you won't stumble on it accidentally anymore right though i don't remember stumbling on lenny bruce accidentally when i was a kid at all and that was the time where you could probably play that kind of stuff like if i was listening to cbc radio at two in the morning and listening for comedy albums Mm -hmm. i would not be hearing that i would not be hearing lenny bruce probably but for other reasons because it was not it was not uh what you would call traditionally jokey jokey it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's something you would listen to on an album yeah yeah you know but it, it wouldn't be something no you're play. right it's something if you're interested in the form then you know about lenny they play some they played some bob newhart they play some bill cosby they'd play uh monty python they you know a song or something like maybe that maybe you'd stumble across thank you mask man which you did you did hear or see on television every once in a while right and then they also had that as a there was an animated short that was made of that's that. the one i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah that was made yeah. yeah so you might see that and be like oh who is this person? Oh, you mean see that? Yes, yeah, instead yeah. of hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, we, uh, I guess it's worth telling this story, which is uh, there was a fella that uh, we both ended up knowing, uh, it was Frank Van Keeken, and Frank Van Keeken was one of the original members of the Kids in the Hall. Yeah, and uh, and you know, once upon a time, you know, we were starting a TV show, and you know, met him to talk about things and whatnot, and so you know, kept in touch. He also did like improv uh, with the local company that I, that I did, and 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 Lenny Bruce got brought up, and he went, "I will lend you my Lenny Bruce tapes, <laughs> but you've got to promise me you're going to get me these back because these are so rare." Yeah, and it's like they they weren't like originals; they were just he had taped yeah, yeah. taped them. But it's so just it's so like, hard to got, find. You got to promise yeah. me mm-hmm. you're going to. It's like you got to promise me. It's like okay. <laughs> Sure. So yes, so uh, pro- so I promised my empty promise, and uh, and then the person that I was living with uh, lost them. Uh, you know, they 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 somehow they ended up in their co- collection when they moved out and mm. whatnot, and like oh boy. So you know, it was this tense situation. But yeah. luckily, he moved out of town and was like, ah, oh, everything's fine. You know, no, you got me to tape them for you. What I taped those? I made cassettes. Cop- I made cassettes of those okay. my records. Well, what happened? Like there was some, for some reason, you, I could not have access to these things. And you, I'm so I, that's why I gave them to you, and then you, you must have given them to Frank, or I don't know, maybe okay, maybe it was too late. Well, or that whatever. okay. Well, wait a second. Yeah, I got it. There's a there's a bit in between all of this. <laughs> okay, okay. And the the bit in between all of this is like I did not have access to them, but he moved away, yeah. and it was like okay, everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Then <laughs> there is a taping of a television show that's going on yeah. called uh, Trolls, uh, sure. which was the group uh, Three Dead Trolls in a Baggie. They had a tape. I, w- I went with you. Yeah, I know you did, and so did your uh, <laughs> lovely wife. <laughs> And so, uh, and I thought like, oh no, Frank will, yeah. will, uh, oh no, but you know, Frank's busy. He's shooting a TV show. Yeah. Frank doesn't give two shits <laughs> about this, about the tapes. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. And we sat in the back row. We were in the back fricking row. Yeah, you insisted. And, yes. <laughs> with good reason. So I'm sitting in the back row and we're watching the show and there's taping a bunch of episodes. Pretty fun. And it's a fun, it's a fun show. There's yeah. some good stuff to it. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, during like a commercial break, he turns, he looks at me and, uh, goes, Hey, where's my tapes? <laughs> and, uh, everybody in the audience uh, yeah. turns yeah. to look at, to look at me. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just like, uh, uh, we can talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like I need those tapes. 
<laughs> and then the, the, the and like the the trolls are now just like, what the hell's going on? Oh, yeah. that's Ian. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, it was yeah a living freaking nightmare that, that everybody in the damn room. Mm-hmm. If you were to say what you thought the worst case scenario yeah. would be in that, yeah, besides him running up and punching me in the face, <laughs> it would be him like calling me out in front but of everybody there. He was, uh, and then yes, you made me tapes, yeah, uh, of like all the things that I was missing, and then I gave them to the to him, and it was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So all those records I found like in thrift stores and stuff like that too. It's funny. I found like so he many. He probably did too. Yeah. Or, well, he probably got the tapes from someone else who had found them. You know. He was also later a writer on the Kids in the Hall uh, TV series, mm-hmm. the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and other things. Many other things. <laughs> got in trouble a couple of times in town for getting nude on stage and jumping off and uh, and hugging people. Only once. <laughs> what happened there was... Uh, there was uh, a guy who was in the audience yeah. who was harassing uh, a server. Oh, okay. And uh, and she was like having a rough time mm. there. And so uh, he said, uh, you know, hey, you know, knock knock that off, <laughs> and get a lot of guff. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, you want to harass someone, you know, harass me. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, you know what? Let's 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 all tip her well. She's having a hard night. In fact, you know, uh, you know, uh, what have I got naked? Would you all give her a tip? It's like, yeah, all right. So, uh, so he strips down nude yeah. Yeah. on stage. He's yeah. doing a bit of his act, and the guy's feeling uncomfortable. It's just yeah. like, oh, it feels uncomfortable. And so he walks up to the guy and he starts like hugging the guy and he's kind of <laughs> humping the guy, and then the guy leaves, and the and the server gets like a whole bunch of tips. Yeah. And then uh, I think the guy complained. And, okay. Uh, you know, yeah, you can't strip down nude on stage. But that and so yeah, actually that's that's great that he did, this, did that. Some trouble. Yeah. I didn't so know the whole story. It wasn't before. for yeah, it wasn't for like you know selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, the server was getting uh, harassed. Good for you. So Frank. hooray for Frank Van Keegan. Yeah, that's. Hooray for Franklin Keegan. You can see his schwara. Hooray, hooray, hurrah. He will rub it against you. Yeah. Yeah. Very few members of the trolls will not get nude. Oh, is that right? Yeah. The drop of a hat. Well, good for them. Yeah. I guess they really learned to let it all hang out. Literally. Mm-hmm. In fact, the show we saw, yes, uh, my friend Neil, who was in like a later That's TV right. show I did, he was he was nude in one of the scenes mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they were talking about what's offensive. And, you know, some people find this offensive, and Neil came out nude and went, "Hey, <laughs> and then just like left, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But that wasn't offensive, was it? There we are. It wasn't offensive. That's the CBC. <laughs> if you want to see that TV show, it's called uh, Trolls, and it's uh, on YouTube. Okay. It's Troll CBC. Yeah, you'll, mm. you'll find it. Some some good stuff on there. To this day. Mm-hmm. And if you want to listen to the works of Lenny Bruce, also on YouTube, probably. All over YouTube. All over YouTube. Prob- and hey, if you've got like Amazon Music or whatever, I'm pretty sure Lenny Bruce's mm. stuff is on there. I, rec- I recommend Father Flotsky's Triumph and uh, One Night at the Palladium. Two good story, kind of, j- not really jokey, but just good Good bits. Here's a pitch for a podcast. Okay. Podcast pitch. The podcast pitch is this. Podcast pitch time. It's a podcast pitch. It's a half hour. And uh, it's a show called Still Holds Up. Okay. And you've got to play something old. Okay. That still holds up. Yeah. Or. And can be played now. No, judge if it still holds up. Oh. Still, oh, so it still holds up? Yeah. And then a question mark. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So you have to then vote. 
And then at the end of the year, you'll just play all the stuff that still holds up hmm. as well. Hmm. Okay. So you don't play it on the show. No, you do. You play oh, it. Okay. And people have to judge whether then it still okay. holds up. By your rules, I was just saying, yeah. you find stuff from the past yeah. that you know you can still play mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and show it to the nice people. So if you had like a panel of comics or experts or whatever. Oh, boy. And then play it and then then discuss it. I was going to throw it out just to the public, but you're saying like the... the mm, interesting. I okay. think it'd be, it'd be a fun discussion, you know, and, and talk about it. Okay. Do you guys want us to do that? It's called Still Holds Up. Let us know. That's nope. one of the, it's that's called one Still of the Holds Up? Still Holds Up. I would have to draw on Ian's uh, comedian friends in Vancouver. Holds Up. There we go. Yep. Nope. Just poets. Oh, <laughs> that's fine too. I know a surprising amount of poets. Do you? Yeah. I, I always say, one. like, I'm not you sure whether one. I know uh, too many magicians or not enough magicians. If you were... I know four magicians. Here's a question. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, I was going to ask a question. Is if you were put, locked up in prison, could they get you out? Yeah. For them? Yes, they could. Uh, yeah. I think Sean Farquhar definitely could. No, I think, I think you need more than one person. Oh, really? You need a team to get you out of prison. Not just one magician's enough. You need a team. And four is... Pretty good. I may have told this story before, but I'm going to tell this story now. <laughs> Is this please the time for, you're in prison? Please forget the name of the person I just said and imagine that there's other magicians that I know because they are. Okay. Uh, so I was working with a magician. All right. And uh, it, it was telling me a story of uh, a, a gig that he did where uh, it was at a hotel. And yes. then the hotel uh, was delaying payment. I see. They were supposed to pay that night. Yeah. But as they often do, they did not. Hmm. He said, I need to be paid because I'm leaving town. And it's like, no, we can't pay you now. We're, we'll pay you later. And it's like, no, no, you got to pay me now. Okay. It's like, no, no, you got to pay me now. And there wasn't a lot of people in the uh, hotel. Yeah. Uh, and so he basically broke into a variety of rooms. Yeah. Took the TVs out. Okay. Put them in a field. <laughs> and called them back and went like, I have your TVs. They're in a field. <laughs> you can either pay me or yeah. I can leave them in the field. Yeah. And uh, they paid him. And he returned the TVs. Huh. Yeah. That's. Uh... They owed him more money than the TVs were worth. Is that true? Yeah. But yeah. they still paid him. They still paid him. Yeah. Yeah. It'd yeah. be hard to explain to your the chain, the people above you in the chain of the hotel. Yeah. Why are the TVs go missing? Should we report them? <laughs> it's like, yeah, they didn't pay the person yeah but he was able to like break into any hotel room with no problem so i'm trying to think like would he be able to break out of maybe he wouldn't be able to break out of prison but he might be able to break out of jail yeah i just think like you need like a a team of guys to like coordinate a lot of different things moving parts Mm. because you're breaking out of prison that's one weird thing in the uh, oceans 11 movies eh it's like they get all these people and never a magician and you know, there's no shortage. There's of no them. shortage. There's no shortage of magicians. Yeah. And there's probably no shortage of magicians that have been shafted by the owner of a casino. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, why not use the ma- get a magician in there? Yeah, because they were waiting for now you see it or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, excellent. <laughs> Very realistic. This is how you hypnotize people, by the way. Yeah. You're sleeping. Yeah. Just go to person and go sleep. And it's like what? I've never met you, but sleep. I'm like oh, <laughs> that's how hypnotism works. That's exactly. Right. In a nutshell. Just a guy yelling at you, sleep, done. The movie's all about misdirection. It was badly directed, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, I never saw the second one. Yes, you know. I, so It's more more in, so. You know what? The title is a lie. Oh, I, was it called Now You Don't? Now You See It. 
I think the second one was called Now You Don't. Oh, is Am it I wrong? No, that it was Now straight. You See It Too? <laughs> no, now You See It Oh, too. that's a terrible name. It should be called Now You Don't. No, it's not called Now You Don't. It's called Now You See It Too. I'm not going to give it a title that's different from the first one. Ah. They want a, they want a continuity. Now You See It Too. Boo. Boo. Don't care for any of that. Here's a question for you. Is there any more actor who co- appears in a movie that's more disappointing now than Woody Harrelson? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're watching a movie... And you're like, oh, this will be interesting. And then it's Woody Harrelson. You're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, when he was doing like Larry Flint and stuff. Yeah, or even, fine. I mean, I wasn't a, a fan of like a Natural Born Killers. But, you know, bold choices. Yeah, I didn't like it either. Yeah, but bold choices were made mm-hmm. for sure. And now, you know, he, he delivers the narrative and uh, wears a wig and, you know, helps, <laughs> the, helps the nice Hunger Games lady out. Yeah. And she's all Hunger Games and it's all fine. Yeah, and he does a thing. There's that new movie, The Man from Toronto. Where he's playing Jason Statham, who was supposed to play that role originally. And then he got an argument with the producers, I guess, and left the project. And so they brought in Woody Harrelson. Now, is that a fair trade? <laughs> I wouldn't watch uh, Woody Harrelson in Crank. No. No. No, I wouldn't want to see him in Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels either. Yeah. Two, two Smoking Barrels. I'm trying to think of... Uh, That's I, the I, second second part of that movie. <laughs> okay, that makes a bit more sense. <laughs> Like if it was Lock, Smock, Stock, Stock and, and Smoking Barrel 2, boo. Yeah, yeah. But Lock, yeah. Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, you're like, oh, I get it. Nice. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's fine. He's solid. He was good in, uh, what's it? Uh, True Crime. True Crime he was good in. Yeah, he's but, fine. Yeah. He's fine in something where you expect him. Mm. But when he's in something you didn't expect him to be in. Uh, okay. Then you're like, like in Hunger Games, you're like, oh, hmm. Which is the opposite of the other actor in that movie, who is, uh, oh my god, what is his name? You know who I'm talking about. He's Big Knight. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's two. There's Tony Shalhoub and there's all Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci, yeah. yeah. Like when Stanley Tucci shows up in Hunger Games, you're like, oh, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> all right, oh, yeah. buckle up. This is good. Here we go. I like this. Here is, it this comes. Is, this is how it goes. Here it's going. But when Woody Harrelson shows up, you're like, eh. <laughs> why? Why was he in this? Yeah. Shouldn't be in this movie, but I like him in Zombieland. That's a good role for him. Yeah, he's fine in Zombieland too. So, yeah, it is. Now you see me too. Oh, it's now you see me too. <laughs> also known as now you see me the second act. Double bleh. <laughs> I don't think it's an ugh. Yeah, this is a yeah yeah. I don't like I don't like any of this. I gave it one star in my Yelp review. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, they're looking at working on. Oh, they were working on uh, now you see me three. <sighs> Did the actor say, do I get paid for being in this movie? They said, yeah. And they said, okay. Got nothing else going on. Yeah, it looks like Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be in it. Oh, is he doing an American accent? Yes, he is. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey, Dr. Strange. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, no, it looks like there's some magic here. Look, can we just... <laughs> Wait, is that we just... sounds... <laughs> Yeah. It's a yeah. terrible accent. When I was watching Power of the Dog, I was thinking... It's not bugging me that much, so I just must be used to it, but it is still terrible. But also, I didn't like that movie, so maybe I was just—I was more pained by the movie than by his accent. I can't remember in Doctor Strange 2, yes. speaking of accents, yeah. if uh, Elizabeth Olsen has an accent or not. 
because her accent kind of s- softened was go was going away like big time yeah through through all the Avengers movies yeah like you know, hello there it was like starting <laughs> with, like really big started with Jaja Gabor Jaja Gabor yeah. hey darling <laughs> I was I was gonna do like Ava Gabor and do a Green Acres thing but like that's not Zaza um uh what what was Zaza's thing like what was she famous for she won a beauty contest okay. But Ava Gabor was uh, like on TV shows, yeah, and was like an actor, yeah. Uh, so why was Zaza the more famous one? It felt like this bigger personality, huh? And just kept getting married. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, I get married, and she, just like a talk show, like you know, she was great on a talk show. Here's uh, up, had a lot of jewelry on. Speaking of Gabors, because yes. you know, listen, you're you're here to listen to us kill time. <laughs> We're here listen. to be Gaboring. Um, I watched, uh, be, and then here's, I'll do a double plug uh, right. on, um, you know, our friend, uh, uh, Bob Mackey and, uh, and Henry Kil- Gilbert, Gilbert, Kil- Gilbert's, uh, podcast, uh, what a cartoon there. Yeah. Uh, I think they're talking about the rescuers down under and I brought that up to, uh, my wife and she went, Oh, what? And I'm like, Oh, it's the sequel to the rescuers. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. You've never seen the rescuers? No. Oh, okay, wow. let's watch The Rescuers, because you know what? I don't think I've seen The Rescuers, but I have seen The Rescuers Down Under. So it's on Disney+, Plus. so I watched yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. That's not a movie. Uh, first of all, it's <laughs> like those movies are Ava, Gabor, Ava Gabor is in it as like Bianca, yeah. Miss Bianca. Sure, and, sure. And, and, and Bob Newhart is the other mouse in their rescue a girl. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. It starts off really interesting. Mm. Like it starts off great, and then it just goes straight down the Elvis hole. Um <laughs> Because it starts off with like the UN building, and uh. and my wife, you know, had family that used to work at the UN, so like, well, we're all perking up here. And then you're seeing uh, people entering the UN okay. building, and you're like, oh, let's see how they characterize. I just, them. I just like the idea that you can only be interested in the UN if some, if you know someone to work there. Well, it's double plus interesting because <laughs> you know it's around the time she was there. What is that building? I don't know anyone works there. Boring. Well. <laughs> In the seventies, it had a certain tone, and so here we go. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you see the inside, and there's you know all these people walking around like, oh, this is good, and no yeah. one's looking to, you know, and it's like, <laughs> all right. And then you pan down and see that there's mice, yeah, that are also international mice. Okay, I'm like, they've got their own little UN. <laughs> like that's a good start to a movie, and then and then they well, all seems like lunacy, but okay, sure. And then they go into. Uh, and then they go into a little uh, hole in the wall. Yeah. And it's this rescue society. Okay. And it's this international rescue society. Yeah. And they sing a song. Okay. And then uh, it's like, uh, a girl needs rescuing and we're going to try and rescue her. Yeah. And it's the actor who played Dr. Bombay in uh, Bewitched, that guy. Do you know who I'm talking about? Dr. Yeah. Bombay, Dr. Bombay, uh, emergency come right away. And he's this guy. He's very this. Okay. Oh, you'd know him to see him. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyway. Um, so he's a British character actor. Yes. Yes. Very much. So. I think I can picture him already. Of course you can. He's not Terry Thomas, but Terry Good Thomas. Good man, you know who I'm talking about Terry Thomas. You Lake. could draw him in a second. <laughs> Indeed, you could. So, uh, yes, you know, Miss Bianca's from Hungary, and all, there's all the other mice from the different countries. Sure, sure. And again, the way they draw the mice from the different countries, you're like, okay. <laughs> Come on now, let's yeah. see where we're going with this. Yeah. And it's good. It's tasteful. It okay. works out. And everyone's yeah. accents are not offensive. Yeah. It's like, mm, good for you, late yeah. 70s Disney movie. Um, Although and, your impersonations of their accents has been a little offensive. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. <laughs> ah, might. Uh, and Bob Newhart is the janitor there. Uh, I well. see. I so, see. So, you know, charming. Fine. Uh, and he's got a crush on Miss Bianca. Who doesn't? Uh, and so, yeah, they, they, long story short, they end up, 
Uh, I wish I could do that. Uh, long story short, they uh, <laughs> they go off to rescue her, yeah. and it's Miss Bianca. That's why it's called the Rescue Hers. That's right. Uh-huh. And uh, and and Bob Newhart, uh, and they go. They're doing some, you know, investigating at an orphanage. And like, all right, uh, and uh, the girl is like in some kind of bayou swamp uh, <laughs> with with a knockoff of. Um, with a knockoff of Cruella Deville, I see, who's a redhead who runs a pawn shop in New York. Okay, <laughs> and is such a knockoff yeah. that I went, was this going to be Cruella Deville? But this comes Rescue is like eighties, isn't it? Uh, it's seventy nine. Seventy nine. Okay, that's yeah. pretty close to eighty. You thinking uh, Cruella's dead by now? I'm just saying that One Hundred One Dalmatians was, or do you mean the Rescuers is a story existed before One Hundred One Dalmatians? Well, the Rescuers is a series of books. There's a series yeah, okay, of yeah, books. yeah, yeah. Um, but but the character was like so Cruella that it was like was this going to be Cruella and then I looked it up it was going to be Cruella originally oh okay and it's a very rotoscoped woman yeah yeah like it's it's uh, Don Bluth is one of the animators okay. and it's very over the top and yeah and like oh, okay and like we can recognize a Don Bluth when we see it so little happens in this movie mm. so little happens this girl tries to escape the alligators bring her back oh. or crocodiles uh, then they go to rescue her. Uh, and, and the weird thing, okay. <sighs> I think you can make this complaint about a lot of Walt Disney films. From but so little happens. Yeah. Like the, 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 the evil person wants this diamond. Yeah. And it was like part of a pirate treasure. Yeah. And so she keeps sending this girl down a, a hole <coughs> and the hole keeps flooding, but she's got to find the diamond. Mm. So, you know, they do that. That's it. She's just trying to find this diamond. And the weird thing is she keeps bringing up other jewels and she's like, I don't want those. I just want this diamond. <laughs> it's like, well, the others are worth. So you think like maybe there's some about this one diamond that like she's really special. Nah, yeah. just like she's just, just a bully. Greedy. Just a bully. And there's just like, you know, there's a big guy who's, you know, uh, played by, you know, uh, the guy from um, uh, the Bilko show who's not uh, Bilko. Oh, he's, he's played by the guy from uh, all those, uh, uh, the Computer War Tennis Shoes movies. Oh, he's okay. this guy. He's, yeah, yeah. he's the principal guy. Yes, you know, yes, yeah. that, or Dean. Yeah. The you Dean, know, yes. I don't like that guy. He's, yeah, okay. So he's, he's him. Uh, okay, so they try to rescue her. They don't succeed. Uh, they go down the hole with her. They find the thing. Uh, they come back up. And there you go. And now what's going to happen? Who knows? They find the thing. That's the connection to the uh, computer where tennis shoes is that Kurt Russell is still trying to fight the thing they find. In there the, you go. Nice. Uh, and but, but then they're all rescued by these characters we see very briefly. Mm. Who's like all these southern stereotype uh, swamp mice. Okay. So there's one who's just like drinking, drinking from, a, from jug. a jug. <laughs> And like, uh, but it gives him strength. Yeah. And there's like a Confederate soldier, uh, mouse. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they all just go and they rescue her and that's the end. The mouse will rise again. Yeah, basically. And it's just, what? Well, what about the, you're part of this organization. Mm -hmm. What Are these guys part of that organization as well? These southern mice who, you know, are all (laughs) questionable. Yeah. They sort of save her and that's the end and who cares? Like, it's just, it's nothing. It's such a nothing movie, but it was a big hit. It was one of Disney's only, like, hits around that time. Like, so much yeah, so that yeah. they had a sequel to it later on. There's a really good documentary on uh, Disney Plus about the animation department at that time. Yeah. Like, going through that period and then coming to when uh, Michael Eisner and Jeffy Katzenberg came on board at, at Disney and kind of kind of shook things up. And by kind of, kind of, I mean, they really, really shook things up. But it it's uh, really interesting to read about the 
just how low the morale was in the oh, animation department. That's very low morale. Because I think they signed Bette Midler to some big deal. And basically, they gave her the animation building as her as her offices and dressing rooms over that, and moved the animation, all the animation people somewhere else on, and into some lower, old decrepit building to work there. And just, okay, yeah, because yeah. it was just so like uh, it just beneath their, their their contempt, you know. Like, yeah, none of the none of the movie worked together either. Like the villain definitely looked like yeah. they were being animated by a radically different animator. Have you seen Sword of the Stone? Sword in the Stone? A bit of it, not all of it. Yeah, I've seen chunks it's, of it. Much the same sort of thing. This feels... I get it confused with the Black Cauldron. I've never seen the Black Cauldron, so I shouldn't watch it. I guess so I don't get confused. But it's a, uh, it's another. It's just like a nothing. It's a nothing sandwich as well. Like you just watch it. Like there's no story to this movie. Okay, there is one thing that's similar. Uh, I think to the Sword in the Stone because he gets turned into like an owl or something. In he gets thing? turned into different animals. Okay, but he gets turned into a. I think it's a bird, and there's a sexy ladybird. I think it's the squirrels. Oh, a sexy squirrel. That's yeah. right, sexy yeah. squirrel. And so this was one of those times where, like, they really are leaning into, hey, these animals are pretty hot, huh? <laughs> like, and there's a bit of that action in in, in the rescuers, like Miss, yeah, Miss, Miss Bianca, yeah. Miss Bianca, yeah, yeah, you, you know. Be, let's be honest, you do her. Yeah, you're thinking like, oh, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not attracted to mice, but I'd go, I'd go out with her. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't. <laughs> You know, that's right. She, you'd have a nice time. I wouldn't cook her to bed for eating cheese, <laughs> Which, because I'm eating crackers. <laughs> this is going to get us so well. This all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a sexy. I mean, look, when people, uh, you know, not necessarily furries, but like when people who are attracted to mm-hmm. sexy cartoon animals sure. talk, yeah, the sexy cartoon animal that they usually bring up as yeah. like the start of it all mm-hmm. is um, uh, Robin Hood. The fox. Really? Yeah. That's the one that's just like... That's when it gets them. Huh. Yeah, there's something There's something that, like, you know, you're just like, yeah, well, that's not for me. Let's see. <laughs> and then I, I got to give this a good think. I guess... Uh, that, I got to go walk yeah, around yeah. the block. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I guess... But I can see Miss Bianca also being... Yeah, yeah. Start, and also of, yeah. Sexy Squirrel from uh, from Sword in the Stone. Sure. Cause a lot of problems. It's bad enough that... Or solutions. It's bad enough that the Disney anthropomorphized animals in Bambi and changed like the whole course of of uh, of human history, but also that they created furries. Wow, they're really influential. There probably were furries beforehand. Well, if you I'm if sh- you if you believe The Shining, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There's yeah. a nice example. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm sure if 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 people were take were allowed to take pictures of 1920s parties. Yeah. <laughs> If they were allowed to. Someone's going to be dressed as a squirrel. Yeah. And you're like, what's that about? <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm nuts about you, they would say to everyone. Yeah. Like, if there's eccentric millionaires that had their own zoos, <laughs> uh, then they had sexy people dressed up and yeah. were in the cages. They, they had hum- the human zoos populated they by had people and animals. Zoos. Yeah. Yeah. Someone had people. human zoos. Yeah. 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 They definitely. Yeah. There's well, no way that, that could happen. That tracks. And I'm sure some, I'm sure some, you know, kings back in the day or mm-hmm. emperors, yeah, you know, said to have some people dress up as woodland <laughs> sure. uh, animals. Yeah, they had like one side of the field, they had like a chessboard with human chess pieces, and then the other side was their human zoo with uh, people dressed as the animals in the zoo. That'd be funny if you had a thing where it's like someone who's, you know, an old. Oh, this is the thing. Yeah, if you had the old timey days and 
he had like the human chessboard, and then he looked over and he had a human, a human, a human version of like trouble. It's just <laughs> over there as well. Like, I'm, I'm bored with chess. All right, let's play human trouble. Yeah. And one person is the dice. They get they yeah. inside the actual pop of like, ah, <laughs> this, this is the worst job. Yeah. I had uh, someone who had an older version of Trouble when I was a kid. Yeah. And their older version of Trouble just had cards that you would turn and it would be the number. And it was like, oh, well, this sucks. That sounds kind of boring. Yeah. The Pop-O-Matic is the is whole, the whole point of the point. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Just like the spinning wheel in life is the whole point of that. Yeah. It's not a yeah. fun game. It's no. a fun thing to do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My my family, we were a little more down at heel. We had a, a human checkerboard in the backyard. So that was, that was different. Nice. Different entirely. Well, that was my silly joke for today, everyone. Oh, it's absolutely fine. I'm going to give that one star in my Yelp review. I was trying to show. look at uh, the uh, uh-huh. or- origins of the Pop-O-Matic and if there was... Oh, other other Pop-O-Matic? Yeah, other Pop-O-Matic games. Gee, I would think that would have been trademarked by them as a, as a thing. Yeah, but I'm... Uh, oh, uh, the, yeah, there's another game called Headache. Headache, yeah. That also has the, uh, the, the Pop-O-Matic... Pop-O-Matic dice roller? Mm-hmm. But they called it the Pop-O-Matic. It's from the same company, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Hasbro. Yeah, they. I'm sure that they patented that uh, that feature. Oh, they had to. You had to. Yeah, they found it. They found a new angle on uh, on uh, on on dice for crying out loud. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Why don't they use that in D and D? Oh shit! Why not? Oh, and uh, in the UK, uh, yep. what is trouble known as? Um, it's known as not trouble. Nope, not known as trouble. It's known as um, a slight difficulty. It is name. It was it is named frustration. Oh, yeah. Huh. Look, that's more sorry. Well, I, guess, I guess trouble is frustrating trouble, too. It, trouble is. Let look. Trouble is frustrating. trouble is sorry. It's the same game. Yeah, it is really. Yeah. Don't even. Don't even try to tell <laughs> try me. And tell you sorry. There's that good um, episode of Carol Burnett show with the uh, with the family. Sorry. Yeah. So that ring, the ringing bell. the bell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The bell is what makes that. <laughs> it does make it. And they knew it. They knew it. You need that repeating motif, and they found it in the bell. No, I was trying to find uh, other games with the Pop-O-Matic, which I think there are, but no, sorry, can't. Uh, and I say sorry. There was a game called Double Trouble, which uh, oh, yeah. had two Pop-O-Matics. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> there you are. Push it twice. Um, what we were talking about this last week, but I just wanted to Please bring it up again. Bring it up. This is fly on the wall. This is called regurgitation. This is called fly on the wall, which is what flies do. They do regurgitate. If if we're going to believe the movie, the fly. That's the only reason I know anything about flies is from that movie. Yeah, it's interesting that the guy could be like uh, a gross fly throwing mm-hmm. up, uh, dissolving his food, drinking yeah. it, and people still go, "Yeah, sexy guy, Jeff Goldblum." Yeah, still. Sexy. I don't think they think he's sexy in that role as the fly. Yeah, I don't think that's where they're going. Like sexy guy. You don't think he's pretty fly for a for a white guy? <laughs> no. I mean, he's pretty fly, obviously. He's pretty fly for a person who's part white guy and part fly. Yeah. So, fly in the wall. Fly in the wall. Robert Smigel. Guesting. Yes. Does, I just listened to the Jimmy Fallon one. Does some royal roasting as Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. Like, we were talking about Martin Short pulling some punches. <laughs> Robert Smigel comes on. He pulled no punches. That was uh, that was a wiping the floor with uh, Dana Carvey and... And uh, they seem to take in a good, good humor. Though. Sure, sure, yeah. I guess that they know him, and so it's fine. It's it's okay. You can. We know you, Robert. Yeah, they've worked together pretty yeah. for a solid period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the next, in the next one, they talk about um, David Spade talks about going to him with ideas that he didn't like, 
Smile didn't like? Yeah, the smile didn't like okay. it. He'd just be laughing, just going like, ah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, not, no, I don't think I'll be doing that. <laughs> Shut the door. Like, <laughs> David Spade was so, just looking for crumbs back then. So it's yeah, so interesting. It is interesting. That's a, one interesting part about it. Yeah, that one, one was like the king of the show. And from the, the was, start. From the start. Just walking no the door. No hard times. Walking the door and did seven sketches, his first first show. Yeah. And then David... He did the first sketch. Yeah. You know, out of the gate, yeah. killed. <laughs> and his catchphrases. Yeah. yeah. And it also got to keep his characters. Yeah. Because he came at the right time when you were still allowed to keep your characters. I didn't know that was a, th- a thing. But yes, got to keep his characters. And then, and then uh, yeah, for, for uh, Spade, it was just, oh, yeah, you're a writer. You're hiring me as a writer. Yeah, you so might get fired at any second. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. We're not going to train you. That's to me, is sounds like the worst part there. Like, that happened to me when I went to Farrier School. Like, there was absolutely no guidance when you walked in the door. Uh, the only thing, the only reason I knew anything to do was that other students were kind to me and showed me, like, how to get my coal fire going and what I, sh- in, and how to, like, hammer on, on the anvil and make shoes and stuff. Like, I was totally taught by the people, never by the teacher. He had no, he was like a totally hands off guy. You know, and that was really intimidating. Like that was a situation where you could easily walk into that and go, "Nope, I'm back out." <laughs> just gonna, I don't need this. This is bullshit. And I get, you know, and I guess you know when you're hired to stand alive, you're like so desperate to stay on that show. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna walk out the door and say, "This is bullshit. I, I'm, I'm leaving." But this, the whole thing of like, here's the yellow legal pad. Write some sketches. Mm-hmm. What? I'm a stand-up guy. Like, what mm-hmm. does that mean? You know? Can I write with other people? No, unless you can talk them into writing with you. Otherwise, no. And it's just sound. It's, and all those guys have their own def- things they're doing too. Like they can't be constantly taking care of newbies and and uh, helping people out and stuff like that. They're they're also fighting for for yeah, air time. Yeah, maybe you can, maybe you can. Uh, 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 but I think that you can. But I just mean that they can't. Like con- they can't. Yeah, it's also a themselves time to that. It. Yeah, you would not do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to say a quick personal story. Uh, when I, I worked on Street Sense, I was asked to. To I I wrote like an episode from uh, my home, mm-hmm. and then I was asked to go there to uh, to work on the show for a couple of months. Yeah, and so so I went there, and my first day, uh, I go in, and uh, the episode. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the what the idea for the episode was, uh, but it was something about ratings. Maybe okay, it was about ratings. That was the general feel. Sure, and so uh, and I just found that out like that day. And then, uh, okay, we're having our meeting. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to figure out how this works. And I was a little bit like, Oof, because like I was, you know, out with like all these other right, the people that were working on the show. And I was had my little computer out and uh, it was in this big public space. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know anything. <laughs> and the other two writers had their own office. And it was like, okay, well, they're doing stuff in there. Okay, but I'm supposed to be writing this one. Okay. Well, I guess I'll find out what I'm supposed to be writing. So we go into the meeting, and I'm uh, and I'm asked by the main producer, all right, so uh, what do you got? <laughs> and uh, I realize uh, I was supposed to come up with a pitch for the show, and that's what we're talking about right now. And so it was uh, saying, ah, some fancy footwork's going on. Some here. fancy footwork is going on, <laughs> and so like there's a, a couple of things I was asking. Well, what other segments? I just want to ask first. What other segments have we got going on? Like for this, what I'm really doing is going like, uh, let me give me two minutes to let my brain work. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I believe the idea that I came up with was, well, it's ratings, and they had three hosts, and I went like, well, I was thinking like the hosts could be concerned with their personal ratings. And so, you know, uh, that's the conflict that they're going through is, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they have actual ratings meters that are on screen. Yeah. And when they do something that the audience likes, uh, they go up. And when they don't, they go down and they become sellouts by the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, so they're constantly pandering. Yeah. And then you find out that the villain of the piece, who's the, this guy is running Bico, who was like the big corporation. Uh, there was the, the bad guys in the thing. Uh, he's manipulating it. It's all been like just to sell their products. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that works. Like, oh, that's good. Because <laughs> that's clearly the plot I've been working on, and that everything's fine. That's a good. That's a good idea, though. It was. Uh, it was. It was all right. No, no, it's a good idea. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, but I had to make that up on the spot because, like, yeah. no one told me. Oh yeah, you're supposed to go in with a pitch. You so can get a lot I of comedy this, out of that. So. What's that? You can get a lot of comedy out of yeah, that. Yeah, we did. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. It worked out good. But uh, that's what it felt like was just that I don't know what I'm doing. Mm, so mm-hmm. whenever I hear these descriptions of just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. nope, well, you're familiar with the show, right? Yep. What are you doing? Well, I don't know. How do you do it? I don't know. Well, I mean, story? I mean, let's face it. It's the same for every, every new job you go into that you, I mean, when I started working at Steelcraft, you know, I, same thing, you know, it's obviously not as much, no one's making a TV show based on what I'm doing, but when you walk in and then people are just like, well, this is what you're going to do this and you're going to have no idea what you're doing. You're just thrown in. And we're going to train you, yeah. And then we're not going to train you anymore. And you're just going to have to sink or swim on your own. And yep, figure it out. Learn how to read this confusing piece of paper we're going to give you that has all the information you need on it that makes no sense to you because you don't know anything that's on it. You don't even know what it's describing to you, what it means, what it's for. (laughs) Yes, you know. When Mike Myers talks about like uh, working on the show, he didn't uh, know he had an office. Yeah. So yeah. he was like sitting in the hallway most of the time. Yeah. Or by the elevators. Yeah. Then Lauren is like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then yeah, go in and you've got an off go. <laughs> but yeah, they were just like uh, to me that's that's a flaw in the system. For sure. And I and I, I understand so. it's like there's there is like that vibe of just like it's the school of hard knocks mm-hmm. and whatnot. And it's just like but yeah. but honestly, like when Dana Carvey came in, he was he was following a year that was like one of those shit years. Mm. It was the year with uh, with Joan Cusack and Randy Quaid, and uh, the only people that like made it through there were John Lovitz and uh, and Dennis Miller, mm-hmm. and everyone else got fired. And so you know he's coming in with the lowest of expectations, but by the time Dana Carvey uh, shows up, the show's hot again. Yeah, and now he's got to like find his way his his way in. <laughs> it is really it's a great dynamic for the show. In that you've got, you know, two people with radically different views. Yeah. Like, if you just had two successes on the show talking about it, you wouldn't be getting a true perspective of what the show was. Yeah, yeah. But from Dana Car- from David Spade, you really do get this, oof, that wasn't right. <laughs> yeah. This feels bad. Yeah. To the point where it's so strange to me that there hasn't been, like, a tell-all book about, as in, like, and Lorne Michaels is a, is a real son of a bitch. Like, that never comes comes yeah, out yeah. in all of the stuff that's been said about the show. It's weird. Well, because, you know, like, that kind of... Like, my teacher in, in uh, my fair school, the teacher there who, you know, like I say, did not... He didn't teach. And part of that was this, this circumstances. Like, that it was a farrier school, but they had horses that came in, every, like, ho- like, cut clients... That brought their horses every day to get get have shoes put on, right? And so that had to be done. And in, when I started, there was twelve students in the class. Two of them were in third semester. Ten of them were first semester. Ten of them had no idea what they're doing. 
So the、mm. teacher had to do all the shoeing. Oh, for the horses that came in, but for the ones that they, the two students who were in their third semester,、oh, wow, could do. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. And those, and believe me, when you're in third semester, you were not a fast shoer. Like you were like boasting to people when you did a one horse in a, a whole day, you know. And so he was doing like like three or four horses every day, like shoeing them and stuff like that. And he was like old. Yeah. He was like my age. No, he was like、mm-hmm. older than me even. He was Ben Franklin. He was Ben Franklin. And yeah, so I mean, so I can't blame him for being a little distant. Uh, in that way, but also I think it was his teaching style. Like he was an old, old dude, old cowboy dude. Grew up in the interior, lived on a ranch, learned shoeing the hard way, just by doing it because it had to get done. But was interested enough in it that he was kind of a self-taught, like real farrier, if you know what I mean. Like he went from、yeah. a guy who could just take shoes out of a barrel and nail them onto a horse, and, and a, to a person who did really artful work as a as a farrier. And could really do some beautiful stuff, and had, and had his own ideas of what was good shoeing and and how to you know you know what I mean, and but the way he taught was. By the way, you know what I say?、Mm-hmm. That's shoe business. That's <laughs> shoe business. <laughs> That's nice. And the I should have put that in. I not a that, dad, and I, I'm not. A I know dad. it's so great. It's、yeah. amazing. You can use sh- that. You can use that. I wish I'd put、again. that on my on my truck. That shoe business. But anyhow,、um, but yeah. So, but you, he taught you by you. Wanting to impress him, you learned because you wanted him to say to you one day, "Good job, Dave." And when it, that happened, it、yeah. did happen one day. One day it happened. That was really meaningful. Like it meant something, you know, because you didn't get any other. There's no useless or meaningless compliments thrown around every day. You guys are doing great. You know what? Every one of you, every one of you is doing the best job. No, nothing like that. Just one day, out of the blue, he picked, chose you to mention something that you did that was good, and. That was enough. That was enough. You know, and you're just like,、yeah. oh, thanks, Dad. Thanks, yeah, no、Surrogate、shit, Dad. No shit.、Yeah. And I think Lauren, Lauren,、uh, we're、yeah. kind of leaving. We talk about this. We this is like our fifth show talking about Lauren Michaels. But anyway,、uh, I think he kind of falls into that too, where he's sort of distant, sort of distant, kind of lets things run themselves, steps in when he needs to, gives those few words of you know of encouragement or of compliments or whatever, and you're just like, oh, that's I made it. Lauren noticed me. Like ah,、oh, I'm on. I've done it. I've reached the pinnacle. Success on Saturday Night Live.、It、doesn't matter what the audience thinks of me. It matters、yeah. what Lauren Michaels thinks of me, and that and that's very important. It's very strange with like okay, like also apparently he's a nice person. Yeah, he likes to go for walks too, which I like. <laughs>、um, he, here's here's what I find interesting is like、uh, so David Spade definitely became the big bigger success、sure. over time, long、sure. term. Yeah, but I think that's part of that is. You had to be. You had to like work harder at like a variety of different things,、mm-hmm. and so he did. And also luck. Yeah,、uh, yeah. And then it's what was the luck? What would you say what the luck would be?、Uh, mad about you? Not mad about you. Whatever that show. Just shoot me. Just shoot me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be in a, perf- a successful sitcom, it takes a little bit of luck. Like it could have been a bad sitcom, right? But what he did last seven seasons. Yeah. What he did though was he became. The side character.、Oh, he was smart、character. there. Yeah, he was smart. Because then again, if if it does if it fails, you're not John Mulaney with Mulaney, and it's、yeah. a failure. And、yeah. oof, you're the side <laughs> person. So like, you can still be the side、yeah. person on other things, which he did then go off and do. But then he seems to be the also kind of- he was, but he was playing the character that he 
he created for Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. A the, variation on it. Yeah, That's the, right. the receptionist. A, a version, a version of yeah. the, of that character. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then other people seem to like to work with him over time. So like when they're doing Grown Ups and Adam Sandler is casting like his friends. Yeah. You know, he's casting Chris Rock and yeah. him, and it's like, oh, okay, so they're having a good time, but yeah. the, they're still making money. Mm-hmm. There you go. But Dana Carvey. Yeah. Uh, who are his friends that are casting him in things? Like yeah. he's worked with a lot of people, yeah. like a lot of people, yeah. big names, and like, hmm, interesting. So why aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's going on? And and occasionally Dana Carvey will say some stuff on the show, like this week he did, talking about when he was on with uh, what hosting when Jimmy Fallon was there. Mm-hmm. It was like, remember the jokes I was making during the whole thing of just like. Uh, uh goodbye emmys goodbye glory days goodbye this and it's like huh that's funny but also mean and it's like you're the big shot coming back and doing a victory lap yeah i'm like huh yeah okay that's fine interesting but you're not the guy that people want to come and jam and work with that much yeah Hmm. yeah okay that's that's interesting yeah huh but sorry, you brought it up uh, because the fly on the wall thing. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was sort of interesting because we were talking about Martin Short being on it and him him kind of walking on eggshells a little yeah. bit around the, the two women. Even though his whole thing is usually yeah. the slam, mean slam, comments, slam, slam, slam. slam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but no, he had these two wounded birds he had to deal with. And uh, But Robert Smigel came on and was just like, I'm going to get in this triumph, the triumph, the Wonder Dog steamroller and just run over you two. Ready? Squash. Yeah. <laughs> I'm... I mean, they were laughing. David Spade was laughing quite a bit, and it sounded genuine. It didn't sound like it was, ah, oh dear. Didn't have that kind of sound to it. So I, I don't know. I mean, Spade's definitely made his uh, bank. Like he's probably made enough that. Oh like, well, forget I, it. You're in a, a seven seven seasons of a sitcom that you own a cut of that you got a cut of. Yeah, because they couldn't afford to pay you. And you don't make a lot of money on the Disney movie. That's true. Yeah, the first one. But there was a sequel to that as well. Is there, there Emperor's Yeah, there new was a, groove? The, the Kronk's New Groove. Okay. Uh, and there was also a TV series. I don't think he did the TV series, did he? Hmm, that's a good question. I'm not sure. But then Joe Dirt did a did, did a okay. fair uh, yeah, he bit did of jo- bank. Tommy Boy and Yeah, and then you know, he was in like the he replaced John Ritter when John Fritter passed in like uh you ten, know, ten rules about Diddy, about, my daughter. About my daughter and <laughs> this, that, and that. Yeah. But like you know, that's real money as well. You mm-hmm. know, I, I know it feels like that's kind of a sad thing. It's just a season, it's whatever. Yeah. But it's it's money. Yeah. That was a successful show. Sure. That he then became the lead in, and mm-hmm. you get some dough for that. And yeah, there's tons of stuff that he's that he's done. Whereas you know, Dana is. Hey, Dana. Mm-hmm. Good to see you. How are you doing over there? Hmm. Oh. Uh, let's talk and occasionally they'll bring up stuff about david spade's house and uh, how it's like <laughs> they they don't you know bring up because it's not cool to say you're rich yeah but david spade clearly is quite rich mm-hmm. yeah and you got a, a nice bit of bank for the uh grown-up movies and those kind of i'm things. sure he does yeah so he's doing i'm sure he's doing fine it's a total sellout i hate him no i'm just joking that was envy that was envy speaking everyone if i had it that's what i would have said Do you know what story they never bring up though is uh, Eddie Murphy uh, coming over to beat him up? David Spade? Yeah. For saying something about Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Remember that one? I guess they're trying to get Eddie Murphy on the show, so they don't want to. Oh, maybe. They, they don't want to queer the deal. Uh, but yeah, that's like that's a famous story of like him. Um, he did like his Hollywood Minute, mm-hmm. and it was a picture of Eddie Murphy, and said like, "Hey, make a wish. It's a falling star." Oh. And the was, ah, ooh. <laughs> and then yeah there was a call from eddie murphy like two days later yeah he was not happy with it yeah and then uh there was uh yeah he's coming over with uh his guys 
Mm. What? And so David Spade was hiding in the building. <laughs> don't blame him. Yeah. I don't need that shit. This is a dumb joke. Yep. But Eddie Murphy, besides gay people, you shouldn't make jokes about people. That's what Eddie Murphy says. Mm. It's okay to make jokes about gay people. But other than that, yep. you should be nice. Yeah. Your humor should be about your how your mom cooked for you. Yeah. There you go. And then how much you hate gay people. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> is he going to come beat me up? I could take him. He's old. I'm old as well, but he's older. Do you think 10 years older than me? <laughs> Maybe he's not that much older than me. I'm not really sure. He could probably beat me up. Let's see. How old's Eddie Murphy? He is 61. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. No. He probably still trains and does all kinds of stuff. I'm doomed. I'm, I'm sure he does train. Does he done a movie in the last little while? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, call me. Um... Oh, Dolomite. Yeah, the Dolomite movie. Yeah. That was a good movie. I enjoyed that film. I don't enjoy watching the movie they're talking about in the movie. But the mo- but the movie about about the movie... it is is really good. Yeah, yeah. The movie itself is ouch. If you're asking what uh, what films he's worked on lately, uh, uh, oh yeah, of course, Coming to America uh, with the letter number two in it. He did like the That's sequel. A, wasn't that a TV show? Well, it was on a streaming service, but it I was see. a movie. Yeah. Okay, it was a movie though. But okay. Dolomite is my name. He also did Mr. Church. Hmm. Uh, oh yeah, Mr. Church, where he's like a murderer or something like that. And he's got an upcoming one called You People. Ah, I like that name. Yep. I, I like it almost as much as Nope. Yeah, Nope is. Which, such a by great the way, time. is uh, seven days next week. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, I'm in. <laughs> We're recording this on a Friday, so it's... no, no, no. Lisa we... wants to see it. That's well, of the course surprising... she does. That's the surprising part oh, of it. No, it's not. Oh, I know what why she wants <laughs> to see it, but it's a it's a horror movie, which yeah, she yeah. does not she does not like. No, horror she movies. doesn't. But it's a horse movie. It's a horse movie. It's too. all horses. It's a horror movie. That's right. Yeah. Here's what I and of course it's not going to be at all this, which is why I don't mind saying any of this. Yeah. It's just like I would love it. Yep. If this was the movie. <laughs> if it's a it's a it's a movie that takes place uh, you know uh, with stunt horses mm-hmm. you know with all these stunt horses yeah I know that much that's just the premise and I don't sure and then something happens I would like because it's a horror movie I would like every human cast member to be killed everyone every one of them yeah dead and now these well trained horses have to save the world from whatever <laughs> the evil thing is whatever it is uh-huh. the horses I guess they, they're trained enough they wouldn't, that the, they and, wouldn't and, care and the and the and the villains yeah. don't. I mean, they think they're just fucking horses. Yeah. They don't know. They're just horses. Yeah, yeah. But they don't know that these horses have been trained to do certain stunts. (laughs) Yeah, but they're not been trained to, like, plan and strategize. No, no, no. And that's the thing. Because the villains, they expect plans and strategy. Okay. But they make a mistake. Yeah. Like, they do something where, like, one of the baby horses somehow ends up with the villains. Yeah. And the villains don't even know this. Yeah. And and the mother horse and the other horses are just like... Oh fuck! We gotta get we gotta get the baby horse back. Okay, and and we're very well trained horses who have been tra- trained and bred okay. to be amazing. Uh, for uh, and you know what? Some of us have been in horror movies before, mm-hmm. and so we're trained to do certain things. And so these horses like save the world. Yeah, I'll tell you who'd go to that movie, Lisa. Lisa, a would, times. Lisa would see that movie. Yeah, yes, she would. There's another film that's coming out that she's interested in now. I can't remember what it was about. Horses. Oh, it's about a guy who. Uh, it's a documentary about a guy who is living in Canada, and he rode his horse from Canada t- to Brazil. You can't do that. He did it? No, he can't. There's Why water. Can't? There's an ocean. Was he ride a seahorse? Like what do you mean there's an ocean? From Canada to Brazil? Yeah. 
from Canada. Yeah. To Brazil. You go down. Oh, yeah, you do. You're to right. Panama. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Sorry, I thought it was in Europe. Through the isthmus. Oh, is that what I'm it dumb. Of, it's called? I'm, yeah. I'm a dumb man. My cousin and her husband. I, Dave, hmm? I had a concussion. You did. A while ago. And that did not, I, uh, I that I, did not help me in any way. Uh, my, my cousin and her husband, uh, who is Argentinian, dumb, dumb, dumb. they drove from here to Argentina. Which oh. I, I thought that was crazy when I heard that they did that. No, if they rode a horse, it would make sense. Well, I think that's crazy, too. Because my idea, you know, unfortunately, my idea of places is shaped by the information that comes out of them. And, of course, it's very usually narrow and always bad, always negative news. So your idea of all those places, of like going down through Guatemala and whatever else is down there, El Salvador and Nicaragua. Did I say Nicaragua? Mm-hmm. And Please pronounce it Nicaragua. Nicaragua and Panama and all those places, is that they're just shit shows. They, you just get killed. Like as soon as you set, set foot on the ground, then you're dead. Like that's my idea of those places. Like they, they, You just couldn't get through them because someone will murder you. And yet, she did say there were some hairy moments, but never like it felt like, that they were in danger of, of being killed. And like they drove through Colombia and Venezuela wow. and Bolivia. And yeah, that's where, you know, and you can't, Bolivia. Yeah. That's where Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid got killed. That's a dangerous place. Look, they'd be dead. If you're robbing banks. They'd be dead by now anyway. Don't fool well, that's yourself. that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and I guess if my if my cousin and her husband had stayed there for like 50, 60 years, they would have died there. Yeah, that's right. That's very dangerous. That's very dangerous. Like if you stay in a place that long, you will die. People don't know that. No, people aren't aware of that at all. We should warn them. I guess that's what this... If this show... If you go to Hawaii for 100 years, yeah. you're dead. I'll tell you that for free. Well, that sounds very dangerous. I'm not going to go to Hawaii. And I think that if this show has one purpose, I think we've just served it. Like, this is the public service that yeah, we're doing. Yeah, first of all, uh, Brazil isn't in Europe. That's thing one. Yeah, yeah. Thing number two. Fuck. <laughs> I feel dumb. <laughs> Nope. nope, I don't feel good about this at all. <laughs> You're thinking of Portugal? I don't. No, wait, stop. Okay. No, everything's fine. <laughs> all right. It's fine. Hey, don't you have a vampire thing to talk about? <laughs> I guess I do. I guess we Why can... don't we change topics sure, and uh, talk sure, about your can... vampire thing? We can do that. You we like can... it so much. We can do a little dork shadows. Unfortunately, I've been really busy, everybody. Um, I've been working on the bathroom, but drywall in the bathroom and stuff at night. So I've been watching much television if you know this what week. I mean. Yes, yes. Um, so let's do a little bit of let's do a little yeah, bit of uh, do that. I, I, I'll go get a drink while you're uh, starting. Go get off. a drink. Here's some here's some sour patch candies for you too. Yay! <laughs> uh, so everyone, I don't know if you remember last episode, but if you do, Barnabas and his henchman, his blood servant Sandor, were. Uh, Tap tap it tapping at Laura Collins' grave in the in the Collins family mausoleum, and uh, for whatever reason, Laura Collins could hear, she could sense the tap tap tapping, and when she realized what it was, she exclaimed, "Oh God!" and ran out of the cottage, leaving Magda behind. So did she actually say, "Oh God!" She just said, "She said, oh God!" I don't think out. you can say, "Oh God!" anymore. You can't say "God damn." Yeah, sorry, I'm making a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise, but I'm talking over myself, and I'm not being rude. Cause I'm yeah, talking over myself. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Back when you could say "Oh God," okay, sure. Uh, she said "Oh God," and she ran out out of the cottage. And um, so Sandor and Barnabas have somehow removed the coffin from the mausoleum. So they've li- okay. taken it out, lifted it up. I don't know how it was put in there. They're not that clear. It's just there. It's just, l- and they open it to reveal an dot dot dot. 
Okay. Empty coffin. Oh. So. Smart. Laura Collins was, or Laura, I can't remember her name in the, she had some middle name. They kept saying, and I couldn't understand what they're saying. Buckworth, but I'm Stubworth, Stubway. Anyway. By the matter. way, this is also good if yeah. you uh, are renting or are bringing a coffin from the funeral home. Yeah. And you go like, we didn't even use it. And you can return it. <laughs> is that right? Is that what happens? I would think so. You know, yeah. you could eat well, like a right. coffin. You couldn't t- you put a person in it to use coffin. Sure. No one's going to want to be buried yeah. in that. But this thing, it was on TV, but it was never used. Back it goes. Back it goes, unless it says no deposit, no return. Speaking of deposits, did you know that we get charged uh, a deposit fee on milk jugs now? Hmm. By the cows? <laughs> well, hopefully. I hope it goes to the cows. No, it's like like we're, like we're a pop can. Like it's 10 cents a jug. Right. A Tetra pack or stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is so ridiculous. Well, because we come from the land of plastic bags for milk. Yeah. You could still go back to plastic bags. I guess I could. I guess I could. Because I, was, I was talking with Lisa about it. I was thinking about it because my friend had taken some back. And I was like, and I, I had kind of forgotten this was a thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that we were paying a deposit on these things. And then I was talking to Lisa about it. And I said, could you imagine having 10 milk jugs sitting in your carport? Like, where are you going to store all this stuff? Like, if you have 10 of them... Like, you have to, like, have a, an amount that makes it worth going to the store, like, back to the bottle depot mm-hmm. with your jugs. Is 10 enough? Is 20 enough? You have 20 milk jugs yeah. sitting in your carport. Right. Taking up room. Right. And then you take all these milk jugs back to this the bottle depot, and you get $2. Look. And you're like, and I said to her, I'm, you know what I'm, I'm declaring right now? It's worth 10 cents to me. To not have to deal with Absolutely. the milk jugs, I'm just keeping. I'm just keep putting them in the in the recycling, and that's the end of it. Well, here's what I feel about that: is uh, yeah. you know, all of your slamming about this, I don't like it because I feel this is lactose intolerance. <laughs> it is lactose intolerance. By the way, uh, I yeah. mentioned the plastic bags that we used to have, and or we still do in Canada. Yes, mostly uh, in Ontario. We don't really see them here as much. I watched someone, and I know. I'm sorry, we're in this segment, and we don't uh, diverge when we're in this segment. And I apologize. <laughs> I watched uh, diverge uh, or divulge. I watched a thing where uh, someone uh, dissolved a Coke can. Yes, and they dissolved the metal around the Coke can. Yeah, inside the Coke can, there's a little plastic. There's a plastic coating inside the oh, Coke can. Oh, interesting. Which is why your Coke does not taste of metal. Ah. It's plastic in there. So if you dissolve the Coke can, it's very very thin, and if you like poke it, yeah. it'll shatter or break. Yeah. pretty easily. But there's plastic inside your uh, Coke can. Yeah, the metal in the Coke can is also amazingly thin. Like it's so it's paper like paper less than paper thin. There was a, I watched a video about how you make one and it was it was fascinating. Neat. And how it was how it was designed. Back to vampires. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, Laura has arrived at the mausoleum. She ran over there because she realized someone is tap tap tapping on my tomb, and uh, so she spies on Sandor and Barnabas. However, Barnabas, with his I think bat hearing, senses her presence. They're like, what? What was that? So she's like, <laughs> she's forced to creep away. And when she leaves, he's he's okay. But nothing much comes of this other than the, the coffin's empty. There is no Laura ever buried in this, this tomb. Back at the cottage, mm-hmm. Quentin has come to interrogate Magda about Laura. He brags, brags, he bribes Magda for info. And he's very interested to hear that Laura ran out of the cottage. Mm. And he realizes that someone else is interested in Laura Collins. It's not just him okay. who's bugged by her. Someone else is on the case. Barnabas explores the mausoleum, which seems to be a combination tomb and storage space for books. There's like a lot of old books in here. Right. And he finds a book 
that informs us. I think it's his father's history. It informs us that Laura Collins died January 25th, 1875 from, and I quote, fire. Ooh. And it says from fire. Ooh. Not in a fire. This is from fire. So I don't know. It's weird. Burner's so worries. fire could have poisoned her. Yes. That's right. Some angry fire came by and had a grudge. Grudge, grudging fire. That's bad. Like fire is, it can burn you. Since when? But it's worse if it burns you with a grudge. Oh, okay. Since when? <laughs> Another public service. I don't like you're bashing fire. Now. I'm not bashing it. This is I'm more. I'm, I'm more. I'm admiring it. Yeah. For its burning ability. One of the as um, Steve O'Donnell. Don't worry, uh, that was just my back. Oh, good, good. Uh, Steve O'Donnell <laughs> had a had a thing in Rolling Stone. It was like the earliest uh, stand-up joke. Yeah. Which was a caveman just going. So, fire good, but burn. (laughs) (laughs) You ever notice? (laughs) All right. Um, So Barnabas, at first he's worried. He says, well, this is interesting, but of course, was this like made up by my dad who also made up a bunch of stuff in here? As we know from from the earlier uh, travel, time travel bit. Barnabas realizes that Quentin may have the answers to his questions. Okay. And so he says, I think I better talk to Quentin. Laura is now back at the cottage, but there's no Quentin there. She demands that Magda throw her portrait into the fire. Ugh. This was a gift from, from Barnabas. This isn't good for the chimney. It's not good for the chimney or for the environment. Nope. It is good for the fire, though. Oh, it's great for the fire. Yeah, the fire's I mean, loving it. Oil and paper? Yep. That's a great burn. I'm all over this. Surrounded by wood? <laughs> what could burn better than that? Yeah, what could go wrong, he says. Um... Magda refuses at first, but uh, uh, Laura's so insistent that she does throw it in. And then Laura seems kind of sexually excited at the burning of this painting. Explain. Slowly. She gets very kind of... very <laughs> sl- <laughs> I think I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay. Seems... This, she gets excited. She seems kind of... She's kind of like, oh, it's burning. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I don't know why you're getting so excited about this fire thing, but... It's you, a soap opera. It's got to have sex in but, it somewhere. Also, she's into fire. Let's okay. face it. This has been established, long established. She's a flamey. She's she's a flamey. Um, Please be quiet. I'm trying to get some candy. <laughs> this is the fire she threw the there, painting into. There's that fire. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Yeah, that actually works. <laughs> I'm helping. <laughs> Thank you. At Collinwood, Barnabas and Quentin circle each other warily as they attempt to learn what the other thinks and knows about what the other thinks and knows. And, uh, you know, they're very competitive, these two guys. But Barnabas presents to, uh, presents to Quentin a telegram message that he found on a table uh, sent from Egypt. A cool Quentin explains that it is a note sent by a friend. Quentin asks Barnabas what sort of business he is involved with. Barnabas replies, he's in investments. And uh, Quentin, uh, no, when he's, they're talking here, a cock crows. So we know that dawn is approaching, and so Quentin shouldn't be out. But uh, Quentin seems, or sorry, Barnabas shouldn't be out. I said Barnabas, right? Barnabas shouldn't right. be out. But Quentin tries to detain him. I don't know if he suspects he's a vamp- vampire at this point, but he's like not letting him leave. He's like okay, asking here's, a lot of questions. A big, here's a big question I've got sure. that I don't think I've ever asked. Yeah. Is Barnabas like real strong? Like is Barbus Barbus? Uh, is he just like a, re- a Barnabas? He just seems like a regular guy. Regular guy. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have any. So his vampireness is just he'll drink your blood. Well, I, but I don't think did Dracula in the original book did he have like super strength? Hmm. Isn't that like kind of a recent addition to the whole thing? I feel like his uh, wives were able to push you around pretty good. Um, maybe not though. Yeah, no, I'm just curious. Yeah, it's uh, 
So he's just like a regular guy, like a regular older guy. Who are they pushing around? Uh, I think Keanu Reeves. So Harker. Yeah. But he's been starving for months in the in the castle. That's fair. He's not up to much. So how does how does how does Dracula slash uh, like how do these vampires get shit done? Like they got to like well they can they can um, hypnotize you. Yeah, they're kind of well. I mean, they kind of catch you unawares. I think. So you're a strong twenty something lady. Yeah. And uh, this guy in his uh, like sixties. Uh, yeah. Is trying to bite your neck. Yeah. Push. Like yeah. that doesn't uh, does that work or how's that go? I, I mean, it's it's pretty patently ridiculous. Okay, very good. Let's face it. I mean, especially the fact that he has to like Jonathan Frid mentioned this. Like he said, it takes me like five minutes to actually get to the person's neck because you know I have to like tilt my head back so everyone can see my fangs. Then I go down and and, and then embed them in the neck. Right. So that doesn't seem to. Yeah, just curious. It doesn't seem very sensible. But let's face it, it's a, it's silly. By the way, those of you that are hip to Dracula, is he strong? Do you have any abilities like besides hypnotism? How's he? How's he biting so many necks? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's sort of alluring. He he kind of hypnotizes you by his presence. Right. Okay. Um. Because otherwise, you know, you're like three guys opening the coffin, and like they always make that. This is a big thing. Like, oh geez. Yeah. We're gonna open this, and we're gonna like stake Dracula. Guys, careful! You're three guys. Yeah. Then hold him down. Two of you hold him down. One guy gets some stake in the chest. Yeah. You know he's uh, just a guy. It's fine. Now, I think they just say, "Be careful! Don't get blood on you when I insert yeah, this chest stake into the lot of spray." Um, Sandor and Magda, who are worried about Col- about Barnabas not returning to the old house, they arrive at Collinwood with news that a messenger has arrived from Bangor for for Barnabas and. Uh, Quentin is not buying this, but not much you can say. Uh, so as uh, as dawn starts to uh, to arrive, Barnabas happily takes advantage of the situation to leave, stopping only to insist that Bagda stay behind and prevent Quentin from following him. Quentin accuses Magda of playing both sides against the other because he he thought that they were friends. He thought, you know, I thought we were friends. Now you're working for this guy. You're taking his money. You're taking his money. You're taking my money. What's the story here, Magda? Yeah, she said we're friends. She said I can't help it. That's not magnanimous. It's in my nature, Magda. Magdaminous. <laughs> wow, wow. I don't have a lot say. to do during these bits. No, it's true. You... <laughs> I'm trying to work. I'm trying to find an end. Yeah, yeah. No, you're doing. It's good, Magdaminous. I need more of those post saying. I, just... I, I like everything except Ian when he like uh, interrupts. <laughs> I just thought you had a cold. <laughs> so. Um, and then when she, uh, he accuses her of playing one second, when she denies it, Quentin tells her that in her position, he would do the same thing. He's not blaming her. He's saying, listen, I'm a sneaky sneak too. And yeah. so I'm admiring your sneaky sneakiness. Then he finally reads a telegram from the telegram that came from Egypt and becomes very excited and insists that, he's, that he knew it all along. He says, I knew it. I knew it all along. Quentin asks Magda if she thinks Laura has changed. Magda says she seems more desperate. Hmm. And seems more interested in the children who were never, uh, who she never really bothered with before. Quentin insists that Magda answer him honestly. He wants to know if Laura has any powers. Oh. And Magda insists that she is powerless. Political powers. Yeah. Later, Quentin comes to Laura's cottage. He is worried about her strange interest in the children. She pointedly tells him that she wishes to protect them from him, especially Jameson, the future heir who she feels that Quentin is poisoning. Not literally poisoning, but sort of poisoning his mind. At least 
He'll be alive, exclaims Kent, uh, Quentin. He reads from the telegram confirmation that Laura Collins died by fire March. Turns me, sorry, one March. I didn't write down the March. Anyway, March 1896. <laughs> Laura smiles. Proof of what? She is unconcerned. Who will believe him when she is there, clearly alive? But it matters to Quentin. This conversation is interrupted by the arrival of Dirk Wilkins, who, of course, as we know, is in her control. She is not a vampire, but mm-hmm. she has somehow take, has control of him. Uh, and then she agrees to meet with Dirk Wilkins later. Charity then comes down the stairs, where she meets Dirk, who is taking her, uh, who has come to take her somewhere to meet his her father. Uh, but it is sundown, and Barnabas has emerged from the cellar. Ooh. He calls for Charity to come to him, and as Dirk and Charity are leaving. Uh, she sends him back to get her book, and when he goes back, when, or sorry, when he comes back, or sorry, when she goes, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I, I'm reading my own writing, and I, it makes sense, and I thought, I thought it doesn't make sense, but it did make sense. This is the writing of a madman. Yeah, what am I talking about? Man, that is noisy. I know. I feel terrible <laughs> about it, but what am I going to do? Not eat candy? <laughs> what choice do I have? I'm like a candy vampire. <laughs> It's not making me stronger. <laughs> so w- when he goes back inside, she sneaks, she sneaks away. She attempts to resist Barnabas's control. He tells her that she must let him, she must f- let her go see her father, but he just bites her again, further <laughs> sapping her will. He tells her that he discovered Laura's empty coffin and he wants Charity's help. All right. Now this is where things get kind of complicated, everybody. All right. I had some trouble. I, f- I ran out of time during the night. And so I watched the show in the morning and I made some quick notes, and I thought, I'll just write, I'll write further <laughs> notes at work when I get to work today. But of course, I ended up playing spike ball at lunch, so I didn't have time to write notes. So these are my notes for the next part of this. B plus Q, B plus DW, B plus bar, B plus Q, bar plus C, LC plus DW, uh, bar plus LW, and then Q slash bar slash LW. Those are my notes. All right. Let's see what I make of it. Okay. Here we go, everyone. At Collinwood, Quentin and Beth are canoodling. They're doing some heavy petting, is that in other words. Okay. Uh, he tells her that he loves Man, her. Old, old uh, soap operas, huh? <laughs> Interesting. He tells her he loves her. Okay. And then talks of having his wife, because don't forget he's married. Oh, boy. He's a married man. Yeah. Man. And uh, he talks about having his wife, Jenny, committed so they can be together. Well, it'd be nice if one of them was committed. Sounds like he's not to the relationship. <laughs> not, not, Am I right? You are right. To either relationship. All of this is observed by Barnabas in the form of a squeaky rubber bat at the window. <laughs> as soon as Quentin and Beth Batagram! leave... Batagram! <laughs> as soon as Quentin and Beth leave, Barnabas appears in vampire form and begins to search the room. But I was wondering about this. Now, when he's a squeaky rubber bat, is he conscious? Like, is he, like, aware of that he's Barnabas and that... Like he's like like a werewolf, and a werewolf like a guy becomes a werewolf. He just becomes a werewolf. He has no like thoughts of 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 himself as a werewolf. He doesn't. He has no memory of what happened as a werewolf. Well, you got scattered memories, according to American Werewolf, and uh, not according to uh, this show. Okay. Um, uh, what's his name? Whoever was that? I, ha- I can't remember his name now. <laughs> so long ago, but anyway, he can remember what happened to him after, like when he woke up. He had no memory of. Well, things. how does the bat change back to a, a person? Well, that's the thing. So he must be aware of... Yeah. He must be able to spy. So he's spying on them also, oh, by, in by the form the way, of a squeaky uh, rubber They bat. can change into mist as well, for the most part. So like, oh. they wouldn't just have mist brain. Yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. No, it wouldn't make even less sense. Also, a uh, vampire can also turn into a wolf. That's another thing a vampire can I thought do. they said control the wolves. 
They can, well, it can go both ways. That seems like a lot too much. Is it, it feels like... And rats. This and feels rats. like... No, no, that's stupid. This is a, this it's is a the, real Martian Manhunter situation. Yeah, this is a Superman situation where you just keep adding superpowers in order to tell stories. Super ventriloquism. Yeah, yeah, because you just want to have it in the story, and so you add another superpower. And that's the same thing that people are doing with vampires. They're like, well, that's not cool enough for vampires. Like, vampires should be able to turn into wolves, not just control wolves. Okay. And you're like, quit it. Just leave them alone. These vampires are way too powerful. Anyway, you search in the room. Downstairs, Beth runs into Dirk Wilkins, and she challenges him for judging her, because, of course, she's having an adulterous affair. Uh, he tells her she is free to make her own mistakes. He's not going to judge her. So a bit of a change there for Dirk Wilkins. Beth returns to Quentin's room, where she finds Barnabas looking through Quentin's desk. Uh, he finds an old book, which he informs Beth he is going to borrow. She tries to prevent him from taking it through the power of scorn, but apparently Barnabas is immune to scorn, and he just leaves with it anyway. Now i got to look at these. I, that's part, I, that part I wrote out of work. Now... <laughs> Now it's getting hard. Now, now I wrote this while playing spike ball. No, <laughs> yeah, the writing is much bumpier. Um, so, so um, now Quentin returns to his room and discovers that Barnabas has taken this book, and he's very upset. And he says, "What book was it?" And she says, "I don't know what book it was." And she says, "He starts searching around, and he realizes that that Barnabas took his book, the Egyptian Book of the Dead." Oh, oh my gosh! Okay, this is uh, this is not the Necronomicon. No. Okay, this it's is not. the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Well, that, I mean, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Which, one, now that I think about it, was kind of in the, in the, in the conversation at the time. Because isn't that where, isn't that where um, Timothy Leary borrowed some of the, the, the acid? Like the, Electric Kool-Aid acid test? Well, that was, that was Ken Kesey. Okay. But Timothy Leary, um, he wrote a book about like, the psychedelic experience. And it was supposed to be like a guidebook to help you frame your experience so it would be safe for you because you know of course it's very dangerous to mess with hallucinogenic drugs because they can change your brain chemistry in very bad ways and so he wrote this book with the intent of making it or no it was a tibetan book of the dead forget it that's okay. never mind everyone never mind I answer my own question i know you know why you got that wrong too mm. much acid <laughs> too much that's your problem stomach acid yeah um now quentin realizes to, this. by the way trying to write that album on stomach acid that yeah. was a mistake as well <laughs> yeah that was that didn't that didn't escape the 60s no one remembers that guy yep take a journey to my stomach okay um now back at the old house barnabas is perusing the book he uh borrowed i put that in quotation marks from barnabas he's approached by charity who is interested in why he's reading and he explains that it's going to help him figure out this Laura Collins puzzle. He can't get it. He doesn't understand it. Doesn't figure out, can't figure out what's happening. Uh, so then we get, we cut to uh, back to the cottage where uh, Laura Collins is talking with, with Dirk. And she is, uh, oh, wait a second. So, Barn sorry, let me go back to Barnabas. Everyone, go back. Let's go back. Go back. Going sorry. back. We're this going back, very, everybody. Very inefficient. All right. Uh, I hope I didn't run anyone over back in. So uh, Barnabas and Charity start to... a very sexy squirrel. Oh. Wow. I still would. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a mouse that you're... You are a real animal slut. Any old sexy haunches on a... On a I don't like where this is going. <laughs> squirrel or mouse. Uh, I'm, I'm dropping this. Let's move on. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep no, going with it. No. Oh, I wish I could hear you, but so much sound of the candy bag. Too much. 
<laughs> oh, I finished. I just I said the rest of the story. You didn't hear me? Oh. Oh, dear. Um, no, let's go back to Barnabas and Charity for a second, because Barnabas uses the Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. He starts performing a, a ritual. He starts performing a ritual. And he, um, you know, he's reading from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and he's toning a lot of things, you know, and, you know, oh, great God, Ra, blah, blah, blah. And then... Ra, ra, ra. Ra, ra, ra. My favorite joke from all of the Fireside Theater. <laughs> all of the jokes they did, that's my favorite joke. Do you know that one, The Prince Was Talking? Yeah, you gave me the uh, oh, gave right. me a mixtape with that one. I did, yeah. I did. So um, we cut back to Laura Collins and Dirk Wilkins canoodling. Now they're canoodling because, of course, there's a bit of a bit of heat between the two of these two characters. Yeah, and they're kind of a clint. They're kind of in a, in a in a clinch. But she starts feeling strange. Oh, and she steps back from him, and then you know something's up because suddenly she's no longer present. She's now a chroma key image uh-huh, standing okay. by, right. and uh, she starts she to the weather. She starts to deteriorate in front of him. Oh no! And disappears. Oh dear! But she appears in front of Barnabas, and Barnabas sees her, and she appears in him. But she's now no longer dressed in the dress she was in in the cottage. She's wearing a different dress. It's an older style dress, as if it's a hundred years in the past. Oh. And he's trying to question her who she is, but she just ends up screaming really loudly uh, and disappearing. But as she does it, Quentin comes running in just at that moment to see her disappearing. And they, they realize that uh, they are more connected to each other than they thought they were. And they start to hatch a plan, but we'll have to find out what, what happens oh, okay. next time. And I'm sorry that was a little scattered at the end there no, because I... No, uh, no. It's fine. It's I was, fine. I was going off some very detailed notes at the end. It was that was absolutely fine. Now it's my turn. Yeah, I'm done with candy. this. Please, please save me from myself. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing: uh, questions are uh, a questionable way to answer to end the show, uh, but that's what we're doing. So uh, we'll ask you some questions in a bit. But first of all, we've got to answer the questions we asked last time. Otherwise, we're going to get a backlog of questions. <laughs> and the questions we asked last time were. What are your uh, one of your favorite continuity errors? Mm-hmm. And also, have you ever made an inopportune or ill-timed purchase? Those are the things we asked you. What did you answer? I'll tell you. Uh, you answered uh, Thomas first of all uh, was was uh, responding to a separate thing, which was uh, your video of uh, a visit to the telephone museum. Mm. And he asks, uh, what even is a telephone? I tried Googling it on my phone, but I can't get a signal. Please explain your ancient culture to me. Dave, could you please explain to Thomas what a, what a telephone is? Oh, Thomas. You're so silly. There you go. Uh, Chris Roberts writes, <laughs> ciao, amigos. I had a good laugh at that, by the way. Nice. Uh, funny you should be talking about Wichita linemen this week. We did. We did talk about it. Uh, I was trying to remember whether Dave had uh, done a work-related top five list. And that was one of the songs I had in mind, along with a lot of great ones by Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> uh, I'll throw in that topic yeah. in as a suggestion. Great anyway. future in sales. Great, great song. And while I'm here, how about uh, top five or six of songs related to sports? We've done that before. Okay. But I'll do it again. But that's tricky because... And he'll do it again! It's tricky because musicians are, let's face it, wimpy nerds who don't play sports that much. So sports doesn't really enter too often into the the uh, musical vernacular. But there's a few, and I'll do it. All right. I'll do it again. This week's number one for me was Betty Davis. Just for you, Chris. Great band, voice, and attitude. Kind of like Captain Beefheart thing uh, going on in the <laughs> yeah. vocal. And what a groove. Vocal and in the music, I think, as well. Like in the guitar as well. Like 
because the Magic Band were really borrowing from blues forms when they were playing. And though they broke it up quite a bit, that's the kind of the basis of it. And I think you can kind of hear that. Um, I don't know if people watched. I posted a little bit of um, a YouTube video. It's an excerpt from a show called Tales from the Bus, which was a Mike Judge animated show that he does. I think it's on Amazon Prime. And they did one about about uh, Betty Davis. And there's a description from this journalist who, who uh, was covering her when she was playing at the Filmer East in New York City. And he's talking about, like, like people didn't like her, for one thing. People didn't like her because she was so shocking at the time. Like, her, the sexuality that she, that just poured out of her on stage was so, like, this, it was, it was too much for people and it offended them. Her singing wasn't, you know, they, and he said. It was like our show. Yes, yeah. it's true. We are so sexy. Too sexy for our show. And, um, the, uh, yeah, like, like the, and then the critics were like, the reaction was like, how dare she not sing like Aretha Franklin? Like, how dare she be different from other, other, other singers? But, and this guy also describes, like, that she was so overwhelming on stage, like, that this guy who was watching the audience, he just fell over and, like, overturned a table. Oh. Because he was just, like, so overcome by her performance, mm. which made me think, well, because she was a female Elvis. Like, this. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Betty, I'm currently reading her ex-husband, Miles Davis's autobiography. Huh. And it's a great read, not only for the story, but the way uh, co-writer Quincy uh, Troop uh, chose to set down what sounds like actual speech. So when Davis describes the awe he uh, felt listening to Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker playing live, what on the, what's on the page is, God damn them motherfuckers was terrible. <laughs> the whole book's like that, and it's yeah. incredibly uh, vivid and entertaining. Uh, Troop is also interviewed in this Betty Davis uh, piece on Tales from the Bus. And he, he makes an interesting point that when Miles started going out with Betty Davis, he stopped using cocaine and stopped drinking and stuff like that. And got like the health, started boxing, uh, started uh, going, you know, going to the gym. And uh, she made him stop wearing suits. She threw out all his suits, literally threw them out, out a window. Oh, wow. And made him buy like hipper clothes to kind of be more with the times. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. It's uh, well worth watching. Uh, if you go to the website, you'll find the the um, one excerpt there, and you can find a few more excerpts uh, through that one. Neat. Okay. Back to Jimmy Webb. The story I've heard is that he sent uh, Glenn Campbell an early demo of the unfinished Wichita Lineman, just for reference. But Campbell thought all it needed was a guitar break and went ahead and recorded it like that, much to pardon me, Jimmy's distress at the time. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, whether he intended to or not, the result is one of the perfect songs. I, I love that song. Although Lisa is very dismissive of it. She likes it, but she feels like the the um, I need you more than I want you, and I, and I want I you want for you all for time. time yeah. She just says, oh, it's so needy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still think it's on the line. Uh, Dave's good parts edit of MacArthur Parks is a great idea. Thank you. Uh, I also love about two-thirds of that song. <laughs> Even the way uh, Harris muffs the title and sings MacArthur's Park. Yeah. Uh, but the slow section sucks. And Ian, uh, not that I want you to shirk your chores or anything, but our friends the bees get huge benefits from uncut grass, especially when the clover daisies and buttercups uh, crop up. Uh, we only get the mower out about once a month these days. So you can always leave it another week or two for the sake of the environment, guilt-free. Ciao, amigos. Appreciate it. Yes. I just don't want to end up with a... In our in our area, in Langley, you can get in trouble for not mowing your lawn. Mm-hmm. So our neighbor got in trouble. Like what kind of trouble? Uh, you get a, Well, you can get a bylaw, like a fine for not 
taking care of your property. I'm not too sure what it would be. You want me to look it up while you're yakking? Sure. Louise writes, I can't think of any more, any uh, memorable movie continuity errors off uh, hand, uh, but you know uh, what is uh, more annoying than spotting a glass of juice suddenly getting fuller or a cigarette suddenly getting uh, less smoked? When the person you're watching a movie with leans over in the middle of a scene to tell you about it. That said, I remember hearing Jennifer Grey of Dirty Dancing fame tell an anecdote about shooting a movie about sailing, uh, then getting her infamous career-altering nose job. After the operation, she found out she had to go back and do reshoots. She said that she and a friend uh, spent a screening of the movie pointing out old nose, new nose. Interesting you should mention Wichita Lineman. I recently listened to Kirk Hamilton doing a deep dive into it for his May 5th, 2022 Strong Songs podcast. He does a thorough analysis of the lyrics and the instrumentation uh, that make it such an evocative song. I need you more than want you, and I want you for all time. That's quite a swoon-worthy declaration. Well, not from what I've heard from someone. But anyway, uh, I guess a lineman knows how important it is to keep the energy flowing, both in the power grid and relationships. Very good. Well done. Uh, Edward Dragansky writes, Good to be back, sneakers. Let's go! (laughs) Ian, you're so right. I love how this is starting. Uh, There were so many continuity errors during Marvel's Silver Age, like Scarlet Witch's original uh, costume change. Uh, Hulk was gray for his first issue before going green entirely. The red and white stripes on Captain America's shield would switch back and forth. And Sandman's familiar green striped shirt was changed to purple stripes when he was uh, with the Frightful Four for some odd reason. It's maddening and wonderful all at the same time. I love the Silver Age of Marvel flaws and all. Biggest uh, television continuity error of all time, Chuck Cunningham, the eldest son of the Cunningham family on Happy Days. Chuck never returned after season one, and his disappearance was never explained. I'm sure there are conspiracy theories written in good fun about this Happy Days mystery. In truth, Gary Marshall probably thought we'd never notice, but we did. Yeah, the very final episode of the uh, show Happy Days, uh, it was clear that uh, he never existed. My favorite continuity error of all took place under the watchful eye, or lack thereof, between the relics of 1992 and 1994 during Star Trek canon. In the Star Trek The Next Generation episode Relics, in 1992, James Doohan starred as the venerable Montgomery Scott on board Picard's Enterprise 75 years later. The Enterprise stumbles upon a Dyson Sphere when, uh, with a ship crashed on the outer surface. An away team finds some systems still powered up, and the chief engineer from the old Enterprise, Montgomery Scott, locked in the transporter cycle. When Scotty is released from the transporter, and and he understands it's the Enterprise that's there to save him, he says, The Enterprise? I should have known. I bet Jim Kirk himself hauled the old girl out of mothballs to come looking for me. Sadly, it's 75 years later, and it's only been moments for Scotty and uh, James Kirk uh, is long gone. Uh, yeah, yeah. See where you're going with this. Now, move ahead to 1984 when the film Star Trek Generations is released, and we see Scotty 75 years before the 1992 Next Generation episode. Scotty, Kirk, and Chekhov are on board the Enterprise B for her maiden voyage celebration, and just like always, something goes terribly wrong. A mysterious energy ribbon appears and threatens the entire ship, but one last time. At least from Scotty's point of view, James Kirk sacrifices his life to save the Enterprise. The energy ribbon takes out a section of the Enterprise and Kirk with it. 
Scotty just witnessed the death of James Kirk. At the risk of sounding like a Trekkie who drones on and on about canon and such, why did they write that di- line of dialogue into the Next Generation episode when they knew Scotty had witnessed Kirk's death? Mm-hmm. I'm sure the explanation is simple, and it has to do with uh, writers not comparing notes. <laughs> but Trekkies wrote the book on fan canon, and this is one of the many errors that will be discussed within Star Trek fandom for all time. Also, why Klingons change? All right. Here's what I'm thinking about that. Is, uh, you know, Scotty's upset about James Kirk, uh, you know, being gone, but he wasn't. You know, he was still in that thing. Scotty could have gone and uh, found him and uh, helped his friend. Didn't know. Didn't know. Scotty's still uh, kicking around. Uh, Kirk is uh, in there. Kirk comes out. Unfortunately, some stuff happens. Uh, And uh, there you go. But here's the weird thing to me about that when I saw it. Because they made a big point out of uh, time does not exist in the ribbon, right? Okay, and then they take uh, Kirk out. Well, if time doesn't exist in the ribbon, does that mean Kirk's still in there as well? Like, because time doesn't exist. So how can you leave something where time doesn't exist in it? Then that's like a thing. Anyway, we'll th- we can talk about that another time. By the way, the reason uh, Scotty didn't remember Kirk was dead was, uh, or, you know, thing. I, it's always like Scotty's drunk. That's why. He was drunk. Um, for some stupid reason, I wanted a Ford Probe right after I graduated college, so I bought one. Uh, the car was the worst piece of shit I'd ever driven, and I wanted it because I liked the look of the car. I did zero research on it. Didn't even read uh, any consumer feedback on the probe. I just went out and got one. The major failure of the Ford probe was that it was an experimental design for both Ford and Mazda. The probe was the first Ford to have a Mazda powertrain built into the design. I'm assuming this was a terrible idea considering they broke down all the time, took a week to fix, and to this day I challenge anyone to find one on the road. I haven't seen one in 20 years. They all died. (laughs) Little did I know both Ford and Mazda's guinea pig that was both Ford and Mazda's guinea pig. But I can tell you this, their automotive designs did not mix. <laughs> also, Ian loved the old Star Trek Gold Key comics. Talk about messing with canon and continuity. Be well, my brave sneakers. May you all have the same strength I have as I write these long-winded posts. That's great. I bet we won't be uh, seeing his like again very soon. Oh, here he's back. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm replying to myself, I know. I just read what I wrote above and realized there was no way ever to fix Scotty's continuity uh, fixing uh, concerning Kirk's death. It's like a reverse error, one that writing can't even fix. The only fix would be to go and remove the line of dialogue from Scotty on the Relics episode, but that would have been wrong and disrespectful. I just wanted to clarify that, gentlemen. Very good. All right. Um, Billy writes, Ed, I remember the Happy Days Chuck mystery as well. It's even more complex than you might think. From the Happy Days Wiki. He was played by three different actors. In the Love and the Happy Days pilot, he was played by Rick Carrot. Oh, I get because he was a redhead. Make sure he was a carrot. Uh, but in the first two seasons of Happy Days, he was played by Gavin O'Hartley, who was replaced by Randolph Roberts for two episodes in the second season. Maybe Gary Marshall figured, even if we remember Chuck, we'd be confused by all those actors playing him and be glad to see him go. I know two of the actors uh, appeared on an all on an early 2000 uh, re- reunion show. In the end, with the main st- uh, cast on stage wrapping up the show, the two Chucks walked on stage and said something like, Mom, I'm home. The Scotty continuity problem. I didn't know about that. I'm a casual Star Trek fan. I like the original series and the original cast movies. I even like Star Trek V, Final Frontier, though I recognize its many faults. <laughs> I don't even know what from that is. What's that? What's Star Trek V? They meet God. Oh. Yep. 
Wow. It's one that starts that's a with, hard That's a hard to top that it one. It starts their mountain climbing, and they also uh, make a marshmallow out of a little device, and they sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat as a round. Around a campfire? Nope. As a, yes, but also as a round. Hmm. Around row, a, row, row your boat. Row, row, row your boat. Row, row, row your boat. Yeah, that's what they do. That is how we spent our time at the movies then, watching that. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I guess if you're that deep into Star, Star Trek... You like the characters, so you're you're okay watching them do their laundry. It was uh, you know. it was directed by Shatner as well. Oh, huh. he was no, um, you know, Leonard Nimoy. Um, hell, uh, Laura, he the, he's not the best one though, right? Who it was Nicholas Nickleby? <laughs> I think his character was the best director of <laughs> Star Trek. He came from the past, even though he was made up. He came out of the hollow deck yep. to direct. <laughs> It's the second Star Trek. No, the Wrath of Khan was directed by a guy, Nicholas something. Or he also directed Time After Time or whatever it's called. Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, Nimoy directed the fourth one. Which is? Voyage Home. Is that a good one? Oh, that's the one with the, the whales. whales? Yep. Uh. Yeah, that's the best one. No, the best one's Wrath of Khan. No. All right. Oh, why not? Uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you like you like it for, uh, I think uh, people like it for Dana Carvey reasons. It came after a bad uh, season. Came mm-hmm. after the first movie, so uh, you know you gotta like it. Uh, it's fine. It's good. It's good, but uh, I think the fourth one's the best. Good character stuff. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's all good. Hmm. Uh, Laurel Robertson writes, "Hello, Ian and David, and all. Happy week. I hope so. Uh, I didn't think we, I'd write anything this week. For alas." You see, I do not have any good answers to this week's questions. Then reading through my fellow sneakers' comments, I've been inspired to put in my two cents, or at least one. Sent. <laughs> As Louise said, I know there have been many odd edits in TV shows, especially where the hair is uh, different uh, scene to scene or there's a hand on the hip, uh, then not, and then on the hip again. I have heard Carol Burnett in interviews a couple of times telling a similar story to the Jennifer Grey nose job uh, tale. Miss Burnett apparently had a chin augmentation after uh, filming of the movie Annie was complete. A month later, she was called back for a reshoot of one scene and tried to talk her way out of it unsuccessfully. I've not gone back to watch the film again. Probably not that noticeable, but it is so funny her telling the story. And I loved all the d- music this week, David. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was uh, memori- mesmerized by Betty Davis's They Say I'm Different. Wow. I have listened to it several times. She is fabulous. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad I uh, spread the word. Yeah. I think she's unfairly forgotten. A few weeks ago, uh, when you had uh, Baby Blue in the top five songs, your timing was funny to me. <laughs> At the same time I started listening to that playlist, my daughter contacted me to say her contractions had started. Oh, I knew that. And, and it was time, per our arrangement, yeah, yeah. to bring uh, home <laughs> her home to house her other children. Yeah, yeah, this is all part Yeah, Because uh, she and the husband were preparing to leave for the hospital. Mm-hmm. Shortly thereafter, she gave birth to a new little baby boy. No surprise to me. In the texted photos of the little fella in the tiny blue hat I admitted him, <laughs> I was reminded of the baby blue songs. Oh, that's great. Perfect. Of those, I'm very fond of the Badfinger song. It is a, it is a goodie. Amazing use of it in the Breaking Bad final season. Mm-hmm. This is a good question. It's like, how soon should you show a newborn baby the Breaking Bad series? <laughs> I don't know. Good... 15 years, I guess? I don't know. I think once they have object permanence. Oh, really? Yeah, then, then they can understand Breaking Bad. When when do they develop object permanence? It's 
It's a very good question. What is object permanence? That is uh, understanding like uh, uh, objects. Like here's the thing. Like you take an object away, yeah. Uh, then uh, it's no longer there, and they go, uh, "Oh, that's a good magic trick." You can fool them. Like babies are oh, really okay. easy to do uh, magic to. Uh, for the early, <laughs> early time. They are. They constantly look startled as well. Right. They do that little thing where they kind of like open their eyes bright and they'll they'll wiggle their arms. Be like, "Huh, Billy." I, I did that. I performed a, a version of that that you can oh. see. Sorry, wrapping up the letter. Okay, dear ones, that's all the sense I have to offer. Uh, take care, be well, have fun. Thank you, Laura. And my favorite continuity errors. Superman 4. Oh, good Lord. Why, why are we even... Okay, fine. Lois Lane says she remembers the events of Superman 2, even though Supes wiped her memory at the end of Superman 2 with a kiss. Sorry, did you say this is from Billy? Yes. Okay. Uh, she says, I remember your name, uh, Kal-El. He looks shocked. She says, I remember everything. Maybe not a continuity error, but why make his kiss amnesia reversible? I wish someone would uh, wipe Superman 4 from my memory. Yeah, fair enough. I always thought with that, it was just like, just love, man. Love just like pushes through it all. And so she remembers. I remember it for sweet reasons. And then the nuclear man shows up. Oh, boy, that's a bad movie. Anyway, in the movie The Fortune Cookie, uh, Walter Matthau walks down a hallway, then enters a room 30 pounds lighter. <laughs> He'd had a heart attack and filming was postponed while he recovered. His weight loss is noticeable in several scenes. Wow. Uh, Christopher Walken uh, fires a shotgun out its cabin window in Heaven's Gate. Cut to Walken falling uh, to the cabin floor. Now he has a pistol instead of the shotgun. <laughs> but I love that uh, odd, rambling, almost incoherent movie. Uh, some of the most beautiful uh, cinematography. So there we go. Here's uh, my capsule review of Heaven's Gate. <laughs> There we are. And Dave did that all in continuity. <laughs> I'm trying to do a nice uh, description of object permanence, and I don't think I can. You had babies. Like, do, you, do you not know what object permanence is? No. Okay, very good. I'll look it up. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I knew, I, I, fig, I figured what you said, I, could, I can figure what, you're, what you meant. Just... It's a, a child's ability to know that objects continue to exist even though they can't be seen or heard. Mm, mm. Yeah, so. I think people still have trouble with that, even when they're not children. Mm. You'll have trouble believing things exist that they can't see. One of those uh, continuity errors uh, that I've seen a lot is the scene in Avengers Endgame. Is it Endgame or the other one? Infinity War. Where um, uh, Tony Stark is uh, yelling at uh, uh, Peter Parker, like uh, up on a spaceship, (laughs) uh, saying, uh, you know, uh, you shouldn't be here. And and Peter Parker is uh, saying, you know, I can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man without a neighborhood. Mm. And uh, in between the two scenes, or the the back and forth, his hair radically changes because they shot them very different times. Oh, really? And so Peter Parker's hairstyle, bloop, bloop, well, way, way different. I didn't even notice. Yep. Yeah, I'm not really, I don't really concern myself with it. I don't think of those as flaws in a film or any sort of problem. I just, I think, uh, as Martin Scorsese is also kind of famous for uh, ignoring continuity issues in his editing. He just says he wants it to feel right. He doesn't care about perfectly matching everything it's just not that not, not not that interesting to him it's kind of like in um the thing you know they replaced the doctor they hired an actor who had who didn't have arms like had who didn't have the uh he lost his arms at the elbow on both and so they hired him to play the doctor when his arms get cut chomped off by the thing on the table and they just hired an they just put a mask on the guy so he looked vaguely like the doctor Oh. And John Car- and John Carpenter's like no one's gonna look at his face. Look at look at his <laughs> arm. He's pouring blood out. You're like you know. So yeah, he's right. Interesting. 
here's a here's a question because we were discussing vampires and such. Yeah. Uh, what's the best monster? What's the best movie monster? Okay, what's the best movie monster? Let's Who's go the in. best movie monster? That's my that's my question. All Do right, you have my a question? question is uh, on a scale of one to ten, how sexy is Madame Bianca? <laughs> boy okay just there we go just, okay we can keep it yeah we can go with like <laughs> you know what we can go with like who's the sexiest animated character let's do that Ugh, what are we doing what are we doing why are we doing this why are we doing this tell it a third question is why are we doing this <laughs> what happened to us what happened to us it's the summer we don't know uh look here's how you write to us you go to uh sneaky d at sneaky dragon.com sneaky d at sneaky dragon.com that's our email you can go to our twitter page that's sneaky underscore dragon uh we can go to tumblr which is uh sneaky dragon.tumblr.com but most oh and also we got a facebook page you can go there yeah uh but most people i found and this is just me oh by the way did we have any emails no not today okay uh most people i found go to sneaky dragon.com our webpage. oh there's so much stuff there you know, you might be going like, oh, I want to look at old uh, art. I want to look at old title cards. Oh, I want to look at old cartoons you guys have done. I want access to every uh, podcast you've ever done. <laughs> uh, any of those things. But here's the other thing you can do. You can leave messages there. And uh, most of the ones that I read are from there. So just go to the episode you were listening to. Underneath the episode, there is a message board space. And you can interact with other uh, listeners, comment on their things, Ed Dragansky style. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then and then comment on your own thing, Ed Dragansky style. Yeah. You know, uh, that sort of business. Yeah. L- love that song. <laughs> Ed Dragansky style? Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice song. Yeah. It's got a good dance to it. Sure. Sigh. Boop. Uh Next week, we'll be back. Dave will probably be bringing some music. I will be bringing some music. Uh, we'll be rambling some more. We appreciate you listening to our ramblings. Uh, all things are good. It sounds like outside. Uh, uh, my wife and my uh, landlord have uh, finished cleaning, so it's safe for me to go up uh, stairs. Isn't she a landlady? I guess so. Is that how it goes? I just... You know what? There's... um Landlass? There's... Jimi Hendrix's studio in New York, when he, he put a studio there called Electric Ladyland. Okay. And then Chris, Christy McCall, R.I.P., uh, did an album called Electric Landlady. I just don't want that to, that joke to get lost. That's all I'm asking for from people. It just feels... Like, look, if, if, if you're saying, like, two things. Like, one, landlady sounds so different than landlord. Like, it seems like land... Yeah, I don't well, know. A lady is the wife of a lord. I understand that. That's where it comes from. And the, the, the term comes from the days when you rented your farm from a, yeah, from, yeah. from the aristocracy. No one owned property. They just rented. I just think nowadays the way when you, when if I was to ask you to draw a picture of a landlady. Yeah. And then I was to ask you to draw a picture of a landlord. Both sound bad. Both yeah. sound bad. You draw, well, them, yeah, you because, draw them like the ropers. Because their behavior is bad. Like how many happy, how many happy landlord stories are there well i've had crazy landlords these these are probably the best i've ever had sure so i feel weird i feel weird saying it because like i've got such a stereotype in my head Mm. of landlords that i feel bad like saying the terms maybe to say call them the owners of the house oh okay the homeowners the homeowners okay well that sounds like i'm a squatter then you are okay fair enough thanks for listening i've been ian i've been david and this has been squat talk (laughs) bye bye everyone (laughs) 